I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And we have a new guest this week, one who's been at our show one time before, but people absolutely love, and that is Dr. Lynn Marzulli. Yeah. Uh, who has uh, written a number of books. Mm-hmm. We're talking he, about his latest one. His new book out mm-hmm. is a new book called The Alien Interviews. Yes. And we're going to talk about the testimonies of human alien encounters and the Christian response. Well, I'm excited about this, but why don't we just cut right away to the interview? Okay. I hope people can find something interested in a mundane <laughs> topic like this. But in the meantime, here's Dr. Lynn Marzulli. We'll be back for a very quick wrap-up on Future Quake. I'm Dr. Future of the Future Quake Show. And I'm Tom Bionic. And we have a fantastic guest that I know is going to be extremely popular with a whole lot of our listeners out there. We have Dr. Lynn Marzulli, who is the author of a brand new book that that has just come out, and we're very excited to have him here on the show right as it's coming out, called The Alien Interviews. And our topic tonight is uh, Testimonies of Human Alien Encounters and the Christian Response. Wow. So we've got all all the stuff we love the best on future. Quake. We don't have to say Nephilim like right in the middle of an interview anymore. We Alien, just, we're just sitting right out there. <laughs> yeah, Nephilim always just strangely finds its way in the most mundane of uh, topics we have on Future Quake, and sort of our running joke. But we know it's no laughing matter. And in fact, uh, I tried in vain to find some Nephilim from the uh, Israel trip, and I'm I'm sorry to tell you, Doctor Lynn, even Og's bed I couldn't find up in Bashan. <laughs> Well, you did get you did get uh, in trouble with the the Israeli security. Yeah, Israeli that's what security. they were trying to search for in your bag. Yeah, they're they well, that you they're watching out for the uh, nephilim. That's what it is. They're covering foot, for them. Sixteen foot bed posts sticking out of your bag. Mike. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I see, it's uh, wait a say it's twelve cubits. That should be about eighteen feet, right, Doctor Lynn? Yeah, that sounds about right. You about are eighteen feet. Yeah, you are our Nephilim expert that we call on for this. We, but, we use the term expert loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, it is such a privilege to have you on. Everybody loved having you on before. You get asked for to come on our show all the time, wow. and, and it's just a privilege to have you on. I just know you're extremely busy. You're such a popular guest from coast to coast to everything else in between, and uh, we just appreciate you taking time for our lowly radio show. Thank uh, you for having me on. Nothing is ever too lowly. Trust me. Well, it's I appreciate all- I know we tested though. Can I, can, I, can I share something with you guys? Please share the Lord, away. Uh, okay, well, the Lord called me uh, on account on that. I was doing a show, and and you know, we, I, I knew it was a small radio show and not a lot of listeners and stuff. And it was the type of thing where you know, I I need to, and this is where I look at it. No matter if there's two people listening or 200 million people listening, it's got to be the same intensity. It's got to be the same passion for the subject. And so that's you know, I'm just honored to be here, guys, and. We'll give it 120%, trust me. Well, you know, uh, we, we have a pretty good cool. listenership. In fact, uh, it's significantly higher than, than the people that attend the Bilderberg meeting. And they're, <laughs> yeah. and they're still very they're still very influential. You know, a lot of stuff still happens. 
with them. So, and I would say, oh. I would think our listeners are much more capable and influential than those mm-hmm. gentlemen, including Bohemian Grove. I think I would have both go. of them together, and we're still above yeah. them. Well, okay, I, I guess. And, so. and Brother Tom just came back from Bohemian Grove, by the way. And I'm, we're not joking. He was out there on the perimeter there. So, yeah. uh, so watch wow. what you say, Dr. Lynn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Since you've been on our show before, and we have your classic show archived in the archives of futurequake.com, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time going over your background, uh, even though it is fascinating as a pastor, a Bible teacher, and a best-selling author of uh, books like your classic Nephilim series. Uh, I would suggest our new listeners, if you don't mind, uh, Go, go back to our archives at futurequake.com to get more details about it because we have a lot to talk about. And uh, I'd, I'd like to jump right into uh, your book, your new book. Uh, to, to, to jump into that, um, could you tell us just very basically what, what is the general topic of your book and why you decided to do it? Well, basically the book has two parts. The first is to establish that there is something going on, that there's some sort of a phenomena, that the phenomena is real, it's burgeoning, it's not going away. Uh, and, and that phenomenon we're talking about, of course, is the UFO phenomena and, and all of its segments. In other words, the abduction field, um, the alien implants, cattle mutilations, sightings, contacts, the whole, the whole forbidden and the whole ball of wax that is part of the UFO phenomena. And so the first part of the book is to establish that the phenomena is real, it's burgeoning. And the second is to tie it into supernatural occurrences that have happened throughout history as a possible answer to what the phenomena is. Now, when I use supernatural occurrences, of course, I'm talking about uh, angelic visitations that we see throughout the ancient scriptures, specifically the Bible, but also other, um, other scriptures, other manuscripts that you can look at. So I kind of tie it all in with that. And uh, there's, there's just kind of a, a, a saying at, uh, from the interviews that I've been doing with the book. It's like we may, we may disagree as to what the phenomena is. Okay, coming from different paradigms, different different worldviews. Right. But surely we can agree that something is going on and it's not going away. That the phenomenon is real and burgeoning and it's not going away. So that's kind of my little, you know, talking point that I'm using. And it's, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of the reasons why I wrote it too is um, so much skepticism out there. In fact, I was on a I was on with a gatekeeper today to a major uh, Christian broadcasting show, and I won't won't tell you which one it is. And I could tell instantly. You, you mean another major one in addition to ourselves? <laughs> I kind of thought we were the kingmakers. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> you guys are great together. You know that. You really are. Uh, and, we're sort and of like, like drugs and alcohol. <laughs> There's a synergistic effect. I was going to say like Roland Hardy, but I like drugs and alcohol. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll have to sign up for that one. <laughs> but at the moment, I, I kind of, you know, ducked the UFO question, and uh, she asked me point blank, well, what do you mean by supernatural occurrences? And the moment I said, well, you know, there's over there's over 300 UFO sightings per per month worldwide, I could tell instantly that I lost her. She just fell off. Oops. And this is the problem that, you know, the so-called Christian church is completely oblivious for the most part as to what is going on. And yet the phenomenon is continuing. I mean, we've already had sightings, major sightings, one in New Jersey uh, this year. And when, when you look at what happened in 2008, which in my opinion was sort of a landmark year, with the Stevensville lights and and uh, people like Edgar Mitchell coming out and declaring that Roswell really happened on Kerrang Radio, and then went on to uh, uh, Hannity and, and was on uh, the Hannity and Combs show. Actually, Hannity's America. I mean, those, the Vatican saying that the extraterrestrial right. is our brother. I mean, a whole whole bunch of stuff happened. And of course, the Stevensville lights and Larry King having George Norrie and uh, former Governor Five Symington on his show. 
and and Simonkin declared quite openly that hey, he was in Phoenix during the uh, during the the flap, and he saw the crap with his own eyes. Right. And it was from another world. It was not. It wasn't one of ours. It wasn't a blimp. It wasn't Project Blue Book. I mean, it was it was real nuts and bolts hardware. So, well, you know, Doctor yeah. Lynn, let me make sure I understand. You're saying that major media Christian outlets. Who, who, presuming to be evangelicals, believe in the resurrection of the dead, that Jesus uh, multiplied the, the food, the, the bread and the fish, Correct. walked on water, calmed the storms, did all of these kind of things, that God created the world, and that you know Moses parted the water with his staff, and, and all of these things, but believing that there could be demonic entities, as discussed in the Bible, manifesting themselves in some phenomena like a UFO is, is too much for them to believe. This, you just said exactly what the crux of the matter is. And this is why the church is, in my opinion, and I'm broad brushing here, completely asleep at the wheel. They don't get it. They refuse to look at it. They're, they're immersed in churchianity, or I should say we're immersed in churchianity, and we can't see the forest for the trees. We are totally blind to what is going on. And this is why when you Google paranormal radio and you watch tens of thousands of sites come up, for paranormal radio shows, the church has left its supernatural roots, covered it up, doesn't want to look at it. Meanwhile, this stuff is happening all over the place. And in my opinion, um, and, and in fact, getting back to that person, the gatekeeper that I was t- talking to this morning, I, I posed a question to her. I said, hey, you know, don't look at me. Look at what Jesus says himself when he says, when the Son of Man returns, of course, referring to himself, it'll be like the days of Noah which immediately begs the question, what differentiates the days of Noah than any other time in recorded history? And in my opinion, that is the presence of the Benaiah Elohim, the fallen angels, dwelling with men, Genesis 6, Numbers 13, the whole Nephilim thing, and there's that word again in the first 15 minutes of the show, and we're mentioning it. But that's what he's talking about, in my opinion. And as Dr. Thomas and countless others um, in the field have pointed out, we are looking at the reoccurrence, the reemergence of these so-called fallen angels on the planet today in the guise of the whole UFO and, and so-called alien abduction, cattle mutilations, I mean, the whole, the whole uh, span of ufology. And in my opinion, that's what we're looking at in the church. We won't even look at it for the most part. It's getting a little better now. Shows like, and this is why I applaud you guys, man, for having me on and others of my ilk who, who you know, spend really, it's been almost 30 years I've been dealing with this stuff. And it's, Thank, thank you for allowing me the platform to come on and, and share what I know in my research. Really appreciate it, guys. Well, well, Dr. Lynn, as long as there is a future quake, you will have a place to come yeah. speak, and you'll be respected, uh, and we'll learn from you. And I also want to thank our very brave radio station, WENO AM 760 in Nashville, mm-hmm. who uh, is a very mainstream Christian talk radio station. Uh, except for us, they're all mainstream. Uh, your, your very popular national Christian talk shows they're on. Mm-hmm. And they took a chance to put us on the prime drive time, uh, 4 o'clock every day, uh, with a show like ours. And have never asked anything from us and have never complained once and said that they've never even had a, any negative comment about our show uh, in almost a year that we've been on the air. So uh, I really just want to salute our, our brave radio yeah. station 
who's done that. You know, we volunteer at this Dr. Land. It's not a something we see like, you know, a lot of your televangelists that see a fast buck or whatever and things. Uh, sure. We, we do this because we just really believe in what's going on. And, and, and you and others like you always have a place. But, I, you know, I, I just want people to think, particularly if you're rolling your eyes at this when you're listening to our show right now, some of you, particularly new people, uh, we have a lot of regulars that this is just right up their, their, mm-hmm. their alley. But for the new folk, just remember that a generation ago, if somebody talked about Bible prophecy and the things that happened in our newspapers today uh, were, were something that could be foreseen in the Bible, those same evangelical Christians would have rolled their eyes then. And until Hal Lindsey came out with Late Great Planet Earth and some other similar books, those people were, were considered out in the fringe of, of uh, modern mainstream uh, thinking. And uh, it took a generation, you know, gradually for things to come around. And I think you get guys like you, Tom Horn, mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Heiser, and I could go on and on with an uh, other list of people, uh, have bravely stepped forward and, and, and sort of are the wise men of the last days, in my opinion. I that, really appreciate that. Thank you so that, much. That have come forward, and you're seeing things. But the thing is, you're not coming from the main seats of the top media outlets or the, the top endowed chairs, although your all's credentials are, are unrivaled um, in, in terms of your scholarship and your excellence. Uh, you, you're coming out of an area much like uh, the wise men did when um, they believed Daniel's writings that the, the Savior appeared at the first advent, mm-hmm. and the mainstream religious figures did not believe it. They would not believe in the, the literalness of Daniel's writings about hmm. the 69 weeks. And so it took the people out of left field who were scholars that actually came to see the Messiah. So I don't know why we should expect anything differently about the second advent. Look, my, my previous book to the alien interviews, The uh, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, was actually censored at the church where I was working. Uh, the pastor had never read it, but he censored it mm-hmm. on the basis of several people who complained about um, – some things I had written in it, and uh, I challenged them. I said, you know, how, how do you expect me to, to follow your leadership when, when you're reacting to a book in the same way that the, you know, we scoff at and laugh at those bozos during the Middle Ages burning the books and banning everything and, and censoring people? I mean, you're doing exactly the same thing. And basically, I left that particular denomination and fellowship uh, and I've, you know, been unemployed. I've been working on books and stuff. Right. But I've, I've lost my church position uh, as I stand up for what I believe is the coming great deception, which is why I wrote the new book, The Alien Interviews, to really nail some of this stuff down, bring under one roof a group of people that have had, you know, hands-on experiences with this phenomena, not secondhand stories, not quotes from books. These are people who have handled the phenomena, been involved in it. And that's what's so fascinating about the book. Well, I want to jump into that, but I just want to clarify to people that um, you are not a Johnny-come-lately that uh, just suddenly got involved in some uh, position in a church and you know, suddenly shown the door. You have a very prestigious reputation, uh, both in the number of churches that you served and also your contribution in Christian music. And, and you're a highly esteemed person within your regular ministry that you do. And so you have sacrificed something that you had invested an entire career in uh, it had been quite a blessing to people, and I just want to—I want to salute you for that. And I—I I take it by faith that the uh, the Lord will honor uh, what you've done, and that uh, He will raise you up in due season. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for those kind words. And and you know that and a dollar gets you a cup of coffee from Doctor Future. But <laughs> but God God's word is better than that. You can count on it though. Yeah. And uh, I just want to challenge our other listeners out there that if you're in a church. 
Uh, I know my wife and I, we, we uh, Mrs. Future and I didn't sacrifice a steady income like you did. You made a very big sacrifice there. But we have had to make some decisions to, to leave some church fellowships because for the very similar type reasons. And uh, it's hard, whatever level of sacrifice is. But we're entering days when some of your biggest challenges out there are going to be from your fellow believers. Hmm. And uh, we're going to have to stand tall, and we're also going to have to support each other. When we know brothers and sisters that are in the right that are making major sacrifices, we need to circle around them and support them. And uh, Dr. Lynn is not asking this, but I'm asking this of my listeners. Keep that in mind. Keep in mind his sacrifice when you go over at his website and look at his books, and you're you're thinking about whether you're going to buy the book or not or whatever or give it to some friends, yeah. you just remember who your real friends are. You remember your people who sacrifice because they really believe in what we're talking about and go the extra mile to get you information that those of you out there are interested in. So enough of my, enough of my preaching. I want to get into the discussion there. Um, why do you uh, think other Christians – should be particularly interested in this topic of your new book, uh, with your with your interviews of people who've had personal, firsthand experience with these beings. Why should this be something of immediate concern to them? Well, I think what it will do is these are people who have different worldviews and different paradigms. For instance, for instance, uh, Dr. Jacobs, uh, Dr. Roger Lear, Dr. Jesse Marcel, retired Major George Fowler, Dr. Lynn Katai. Um, all have different paradigms, different worldviews than I do. They're not Christians per se. And the, and the reason why I deliberately included them was to get a different, a different slant on the phenomena, to get people, for instance, Dr. Roger Lear was a total skeptic. In other words, when he approached, was first approached to uh, um, operate on a particular patient who this patient believed he had an implant, Lear literally got up and walked out of the room. He didn't want anything to do with these nutcases. I mean, he just thought the whole thing was crazy. Anyway, he was he was kind of coaxed by his friend. Go have another look, please. There's something there. At least you know, at least check this thing out, and, and then we'll know whether the woman is crazy or something is is real here. And of course, he went in and did the operation, figuring that he was just going to find bits of wire or, or small. Uh, metallic pieces left over from from a prior surgery, and lo and behold, he was completely blown away at what he found. He found an object once they once they had it tested that was uh, an alloy which they could not identify. Uh, nerve endings that actually wrapped itself around this particular implant. In other words, he became a believer. He went from being a, a total skeptic to a believer. Now he's had hands on um, <clears throat> hands on interface with with patients. Obviously, he's he's done about a dozen of these uh, implant removals, and he's, he's a firm believer. He's completely on board. So that being said, a person who reads this, a Christian who reads this, will, will, will learn and be able to glean. If you know nothing about the phenomena, it's, it's, a, it's a primer for you. If, you. if you studied it a little bit and, and you're immersed in it somewhat, what's great about this, because it's an e-book, it's got links, it's got videos, it's got articles. So as you're reading about Dr. Lear, you can bop right to his website, check things out yourself, go to YouTube, watch him talk. It's a very interactive book, and, and in that respect, it's kind of cutting edge. So it's, uh, wow. you know, it's, it's a lot of fun for people um, who want to really get into this thing. But, again, getting, getting back, let me just nail this, this answer down. The reason for different people with different paradigms is that we can agree that the phenomena is going on, that something is happening. Mm -hmm. These people are willing to discuss it. And yet in most Christian churches, look, I, I sent out, like, I, I think uh, um, 75 DVDs a while back. 
I'll come and speak at your church for free. Give me a love offering, you know, wow. hundred miles around where I live. Got, didn't get one email back, not one phone call, nothing. People aren't, the churches for the most part aren't interested. And if this thing, you know, comes suddenly upon us, the church is so asleep at the wheel that this, in my opinion, will cause the great falling away that Second Thessalonians speaks of. And, and I, let me just, just one more quick thing. When a, a, a man called Ricky Sorrow, who, by the way, is interviewed in the alien interviews, comes on the record in the book, and this guy saw was one of the witnesses of the Stevensville UFO flap. He was there, saw this thing. He, he looked in all directions and couldn't see the edge of this craft. That's how big it is. A mile and a half, two miles? He has no idea. The thing was huge. Okay? He was overwhelmed by his experience, overwhelmed by what he saw. He's still trying to deal with it, still trying to figure out, you know, what am I looking at here? What is this thing? And, and this, is, this, is, this is the problem with this. When it finally happens, when we actually do get mass revealing over the cities, and I realize some of your listeners are going, man, this, this guy's far out. That just sounds like, like a sci-fi movie, Independence Day. And yet, what's the, this is why the book is written. Why the Phoenix Lights? Why the, why the Stevensville Lights? All these different UFO witnesses coming forward, talking about what, they, what they've seen. Surely, it's not swamp gas or a flock of birds or the planet Venus. Something is going on, folks, and I believe it's the subtitle of my previous book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, the subtitle of that, The Coming Great Deception and the Luciferian Endgame, and that's why I do what I do. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it, just, just to add another comment, too, about uh, Christians who are not aware of these kind of things, I have met a huge number of people who are involved in the New Age sure. who went there because Christians and the church in general did not have answers to their questions. There you go. And the UFO issue was one of the main things that they have told me personally, that they asked about these things, that they're seeing, hearing everywhere, and the church could not answer their questions about it. So they went somewhere that could answer it. Hmm. So when we don't prepare and aren't learned and up to date and look at what the Bible has to say on these things, uh, we are not fulfilling our great commission. We are not uh, ministering uh, and being, you know, priest in effect. Uh, in uh, leading the spiritual warfare of the people who are around us that are coming to us for guidance. And so, heaven forbid that we do that. And, and it's the, the, the other thing is that this issue is going to be unavoidable for people. If you yep. watch the Discovery Channel, if you watch right. the, the History Channel, right. it is on nonstop. They don't, yep. they don't run that stuff because nobody wants to watch it. They run it because people have a keen interest in it. And if the church sees people that have a keen interest in something that particularly have prophetic implications and they choose to ignore it because of their own pride and because of their own standing that they believe they have, then heaven forbid, because they're missing an opportunity, first an opportunity to minister and then an absolute necessity, not only to minister to those who are lost or sitting on the fence about the church, but eventually other believers are going to need to be ministered to, as you yeah. said, because they're not going to understand this. It's not going to fit in their paradigm. Correct. Their, That's faith, exactly is, true. their right. faith is going to be shaken. That's right. Uh, if uh, other end-time <laughs> deceptions are going to happen, we have been told that deception will be a major part of it. Uh, right. And that, you know, we were warned. We cannot look at the apostles and say, hey, we didn't know to expect this. He told us these things. Mm -hmm. And we have to take the time and effort to read our Bibles ourselves. And, and I'm afraid, uh, I don't want to be harsh on our Christian brothers and sisters because there's fingers pointing back at me. But a sure. lot of our leadership as a whole, I sense, are really letting us down. Not just on this topic, but on many others. And I find a lot of these things are related. But it goes back to pride. 
people are too prideful to consider something like this, and they're worried about what other people are going to think about them. And there's really no room in effective service in the Lord to be worried about your own pride. And this, I would say that this goes back into the whole idea that the the church as we see it today, in my opinion, and I say this with all love, believe me, but it's just a series of fiefdoms that that the Grand Poobah, the pastor, presides over. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole system, if you really look at church history, is about as far away from first century Christianity as you can possibly get, which is why people don't grow, and it's become a show. It's become a show to attract people. You know, get a rock band up there and play all these praise and worship songs, and then multimedia stuff. I mean, it's just to me, it's just completely crazy. What we have is completely crazy, has nothing to do with what, in my opinion, we're supposed to be doing. We're off topic here. But then when you look at what's happening in the church in China and in India, the yeah. church is growing to the point where they get 100,000 born-again people per day, per day, 100,000. And yet we see uh, 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 denominations like the Assemblies of God who are now losing about 100,000 or more people a year. So they're in decline. China's exploding. What's wrong here, folks? And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. The, the fiefdoms, the days of the, of the little private kingdoms, because that's really what they are, it breeds elitism is what it does. It's all about the pastor and his family, and, and it's just a big show. And it's not first century Christianity where First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 tells us when you come together and meet, Come expected, come to bring something, a tongue, an interpretation, a psalm, a teaching, a hymn. All these things were exhorted to do, and what it was, it was participatory. People came and they participated. Mm -hmm. They brought something, and that's how we grow. That's the fellowship I'm in. There's about 30 of us that meet uh, twice a week, and the meetings are run without order. They're totally spirit-led, and uh, each one's different. And different people have bring different teachings as the Lord leads them during that week. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love wow. it. That's wow. Cool. Well, uh, we are a, a show, if anything, of, of free thinking yeah. uh, within the bounds of uh, you know, our scriptural, uh, uh, you know, the scriptural record and what we sure. have that's shown to us. So um, that's what we appreciate, people like yourself uh, that are cutting edge in, in what we're discussing. We're back here live at the Future Week Show with Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. Uh, we only got a few seconds, but what do you think about this topic? And that, that was pretty heavy. That makes me. Uh, that actually reminds me of Merv, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's what a, what a slick move. Yeah. Uh, Merv, come in and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. All right, we don't have a lot of time. Let's get out of here. Okay, that's your your, your patented word. Yeah. Uh, until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. 
And we are getting ready to run section two mm-hmm. of our installment two of our interview with Dr. Lynn Marzulli, yeah. the author of The Alien Interviews. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about testimony of human alien encounters and the Christian response. Well, let's uh, let's bring them up to date. Uh, what did we go over yesterday? We went over uh, the topic of his book, of course. Well, I th- yeah, and I think the main thrust of what we talked about is why the Christian community won't talk about this issue, mm-hmm. and particularly the mainstream. And he's been sort of dissed, like sometimes we have. He appreciated yeah. shows like ours for talking about it. And we talked about why it's important that Christians yeah. should do this, that that it's important that we have answers for people who see this stuff, know something's going on, uh-huh. even if Christians have their head in the sand. Yeah. And that if we're going to be relevant to people and have have questions about salvation and things, we can't pretend this stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. I found it I found it very interesting that the doctor that they mentioned about finding that alloy in the Yeah, in Dr. The, Lear, yeah. Dr. Lear in his in that guy's body. He was originally skeptical. There's a bunch of people then, he's found that in, a whole bunch of people. Wow. So he was originally skeptical and then Yeah. And he, wow. was, he was a very well-respected surgeon. That's interesting. I wonder if he's got like a file full of yes. strange alloys. Yes. Really? He does. Wow. They sent him out to be tested, and there's weird stuff they think like must have come from meteorite or something because they don't have any of those compounds on Earth and things. Far out, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat yeah. kind of stuff. But um, I just appreciate Dr. Marzilli and people like him that come on our show yeah. because they swim against the tide of mainstream Christian thinking and mm-hmm. what the bookstores carry that sell zillions of books that all sound the same. Yeah, you're probably not going to see uh, alien interviews uh, in a in a bookstore, yeah. uh, Lifeway bookstore. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Most of them you're not going to, although he's a very popular author and one of the best-selling guys at Amazon.com in the really? field. Wow. Yeah, he's near the, he's near the top. Hmm. So... Um, I hope you all get a chance to support him what he's doing. And you need to hear the second installment. He really gets into the meat and potatoes here in Section 2. So no further ado, here's Dr. Lynn Mazzini, and we'll be right back to wrap it up on Future Quake. For, for people who are still skeptical about what we're talking about, let's give them some real data, Dr. Sure. Marzulli. Um, what have national pollsters and well-respected pollsters and other researchers discovered regarding the propensity of the supernatural abduction events that you discuss in your book? Well, uh, first of all, once again, going back to my original statement, the phenomenon is burgeoning, and it's real. It's not going away. Uh, Some pollsters believe that maybe one out of three, one out of four people have had some sort of an abduction experience. Uh, When I go on shows, I'm inundated by email from people uh, coming on talking about, I've been abducted, I've been afraid to talk about this thing, I know it's real, I'm afraid to say anything about it, for ridicule, there's that word ridicule, which, you know, people unbelieve, or losing my job, or losing my prestige, or my wife will think I'm crazy, and one one guy wrote me, he's been abducted since he was six years old over a period of years, he's now in his 40s, just begging, "How how can I stop this? And I have like a little, you know, two-paragraph deal, which I tell them. I say, this is what you need to do. The abduction phenomena can be stopped if you're a Christian by evoking the name of Jesus, by saying the blood of Jesus. You can stop the phenomena. This has been proven by Joe Jordan and other people in the field. Yeah, that's who what have, I was thinking of. I was, yeah, go ahead. Talk there you go. Yeah. That's all right. Who have, who have come on the record. Last year at Roswell, he blew. In fact, I interview him in the book. But in 2008, he was, a, he was one of the main speakers at the Roswell uh, event and came on the record and said, look, you know, here are 12 people who we've helped stop their abduction experiences by evoking the name of Jesus. But it's like the seven sons of Siva. 
you know, if, if there's no connection, you can say all you want. And like the seven sons of Siva, when that demon attacked them and beat them up and stripped them of their clothes and they ran out of that house bloodied and, and, and beaten and naked by the demon who overpowered seven men, that's a pretty powerful demon that was in this possessed guy, you know, the demon didn't, didn't because there was no connection. So it's not a magic word. It's not a, it's not mm-hmm. a you know, it's like abracadabra thing. Oh, Jesus, help me. Right. It's like it's got to be a real connection. And, of course, these people who are born again have that real connection. And so that's – and I'm not talking religion, folks. I'm not talking about, you know, organs and stained glass windows and guys with funny hats <laughs> and robes and weird haircuts mm-hmm. and sure hope not. three beads <laughs> and all this nonsense. I'm talking about a real relationship with the creator of the universe and the fact that – and here's the whole gospel message boiled down – Believe on him who was sent, Yeshua, Yahshua, that's his name in the Hebrew, Jesus in the Greek. And by his blood, by his blood, we are forgiven and set free, and we have eternal life. That's it. That's the deal. That's the deal right there. That's the good news. Amen. Amen. You know, I wish that was the end of the show. That had been a great uh, (laughs) time for for invitation, him. And let me just say a quick comment on what you mentioned about Joe Jordan. Uh, I watched the video of his talk there. And of all of the, the, the mainstream UFO researchers that spoke there that are household names on Discovery Channel mm-hmm. and Coast to Coast sure. and History Channel, his talk was the most careful, the most uh, scientific, the, the most responsible in the data that was presented. He was most careful and in, in technical in what he presented, and he was held to a higher standard than any of these other people That's who speak on things they touch and feel and impressions and things they've heard. But but the other thing is that while he was giving a very responsible talk to that community, giving real data, which was the whole purpose they were there, Jesus Christ was also glorified, and and in in through that process he was preached, and and he was he was uh, pronounced and glorified, with no one else there to do it, no one else in the church w- was there to be able to reach these kind of people who will never darken a church. And I'm sure many people did not take it very well from the announcement, but yeah. there were many people there who walked away, and their conscience said, you know, that this is the God that I remember of my childhood. I've not talked to him for a long time. Maybe he's relevant and real. And what I want to challenge the church on is how come there's no one else there from the church going out to a meeting that has upwards of 50,000 people that are seeking the truth in life? And why are we sitting on our hands in our church? In not reaching out to these people in love, in love and in a respectful tone. Uh, I I have been invited by Guy Malone to uh, go this year uh, to that conference, and I consider it an honor to do it. And uh, I'm praying in advance that uh, there will be fruit born from it, but not in a way to diminish or to to call these people crazy or to make fun of them or anything. They they are people whom whom Christ died for. Uh, they're very smart, intellectual people. They're seeking answers to things that are real phenomena out there. Correct. Uh, and and they, they really want to know what's really going on. And shame on us for not being willing to provide them answers to what's going on I, uh, in life. You said it very well. I now, completely concur. Now, the data uh, that I have come across uh, from various sources, uh, for example, George Gallup, who's our premier pollster mm-hmm. uh, and who is also a Christian, but, but the most respected pollster there is, based on two studies that I saw in the early 90s, suggested that anywhere from 1% to 3% of the American public actually feels they have experienced an abduction event. Wow. Not just heard of UFOs, believe mm-hmm. them or seen them, but actually believe they've had an abduction event. And, and also uh, the uh, the researcher out at Harvard University who's who since passed away, his name just escaped me here. 
as uh, Dr. John, I'm, his his name just Mac. Escaped. Mac. Yeah. Uh, his data is of similar numbers. He's estimated from the thousands of cases that he's reviewed as right. the uh, one of the heads of the uh, belief psychology department at Harvard. Uh, when when he did this, he took that data, a large enough data pool to expand it. And he estimated somewhere from it. It, it appeared to me like uh, like. 10 or 15 million, I, I recollect at the top of my head, in the U.S. that he estimated believe they've had an abduction event. A lot of people. Now, that would be the largest mass psychosis in world history. Correct. <laughs> or, or something is going on, one of the two. Uh, and these people have, um, although there's no evidence that they've spoken to each other or gotten this information from each other, a lot of what they see and have seen uh, seems to be consistent. It, it, it's much like when you've had a bunch of witnesses to some kind of event, like a car accident or a crime. They're all standing at a different place. Notice a few details, but they all fit well. The police sure. know when when they have witnesses that have seen something legitimate. They know what to look for, and these people seem to have these kind of indications. So, so, so the bottom line is just looking at cold, hard data says that Christians ought to take this uh, phenomenon seriously, correct? I, you know, once again, I love the way you laid that out, and I completely concur um, you know, the phenomena, I said one out of four. I mean, I just, it's just, it depends on what, what I meant by that. Let, let me just go back and correct myself. Um, I was, I was thinking percent like you were. Right. So it's not a one, one out of every four people. It's like one to four percent. Um, the numbers actually could be higher. Um, there's really no way of telling. But, um, you know, that's a, that's quite a chunk of the population. And that's only in this country. I know that when I interviewed Dr. Jacobs, um, about and, and he's a, a a man who has who has spent decades researching the abduction phenomena. And when he first got into this thing, you know, like like most people, you're skeptical and you don't know. And with a scientific background, it's like you know, what am I looking at here? What's the data pointing to? And at some point in, in the investigations, after about six months, he realized that, oh my gosh, this is real. Well, before you before you tell us what he found, can you clarify his credentials? And his area of study. He's a very important part of your book. He is. Um, I, let me. I'd have to get. I, I actually have to get the book out and start reading all his credentials. But he's he's a, a history professor at uh, Temple University uh, with tenure, and he actually did his uh, thesis, his doctoral thesis on and uh, on the abduction phenomena on on UFOs and abductees. And this so was he, way back when. He's so he's, he's written peer-reviewed papers. Yeah, he, he had committees that had to be convinced. Of, of very uh, skeptical academics that had to be convinced by the quality of his work in this area. He's one of two people that have ever been able to pull that off. A Ph.D. in this field. Ph.D. in that field, correct. Okay. So Pretty his, amazing. His credentials are impeccable. Uh, and I want you to talk about some of the major findings uh, that he had in his book because they just blew me away. Well, again, when, he's, when, he's, when he gets to the point where Dr. Jacobs gets to the point where he realizes – that the phenomenon is real. This is right right out of the book. He says, and I quote, I went into a sort of shock tailspin. I said to myself, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, repeatedly for about six months. Then I began to get over the shock, and eventually it became routine for me if that is imaginable. So in other words, he finally uh, embraced this, uh, the phenomenon, realizing that it um, was real. And, he, and I love it, a shock tailspin. I mean, who wouldn't be? When you all of a sudden you realize that these people, it's not some sort of psychosis, it's not a break with reality, that the phenomena, once again, back to the very, my very first statement, the phenomena is real, it's burgeoning, it's not going away, we need to deal with it. He also found out, 
and this this aspect of the uh, of the abduction phenomenon was very disturbing to him, as it is me also, and the idea that that there was a breeding program going on. In other words, that there, the, yeah, these these people who were being abducted, and again, you know, gynecological examination, sperm being taken from the men, it creates this climate of fear. In fact, the climate of fear. Really want to get into that just a little bit. That these entities, and this is why, of course, I believe that they're fallen angels slash demonic, that they create such a climate of fear during the abduction experience um, where easily they could blank someone out if they have this kind of technology, supposedly, right? Yeah. Uh, blank them out so they wouldn't remember. No, they they thrive on the fear. They thrive on it. Like psychic vampires, they feed off of it. And so fear is a very, very large part of what they do. They, their currency would be one of fear, whereas the currency of heaven is one of faith. Huge, huge disparity between them, obviously, a gulf that can never be, can never be crossed. Now, this is consistent so, with the, the demonic spirits and, and the forces of Satan that we see in Scripture, whose task is to always go before God and be an accuser to us. An accuser, He's an accuser. He's also an accuser of our conscience. He also is one who always tells us we're never going to amount to anything, That's it. that we're dirty sinners and always will be, and we might as well give up and That's just it. succumb to it. Uh, right. Don't listen to Scripture that we can be new creatures in Christ, that we can be restored, uh, that we can come before him and leave our sins at the altar. Uh, he, that is the modus operandi of the forces of evil, is to keep us entrapped with this feeling of dread and a feeling of helplessness. And that's, and that's what many of the abductees um, talk about and, and report back. And what Jacob's found very disturbing, and of course so do I, and this mirrors the whole Genesis account of the Nephilim, there's a breeding program going on. And what do we see of a Genesis account? And of course I realize I'm opening up a whole new can of worms here, but, but briefly, um, the Genesis says that the, that the sons of God, which in my opinion are the Benayahu Elohim, the angels, in this particular case, the fallen angels, which come to earth and they have sex with the women. And the offspring of that is, are in the Nephilim. And it, the text says very specifically, uh, not only in Genesis 6, but also afterwards when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and went into them. The Nephilim are born, these giants of old. Josephus talks about it um, we see it again in Numbers 13, Og, like you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, at, at, the, at, the, at the pre-roll of the show. The king of Bashan was definitely a Nephilim. Goliath was a Nephilim. And, of course, these are demonic hybrids. And what do we see? This goes back to Jesus' own words when he says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days of Noah, which, of course, begs the question, what differentiates those days? And that is the presence of the fallen angels on the earth in the breeding program. Are we looking at the same type of thing? Is there a similarity? And in my opinion, it's screaming, yes, absolutely. Dr. Jake, Let me just mention that another verse you just, uh, it's hard to hit everything because there's so much data here. I know, I know. But another passage that's important for people to look at is the book of Jude, where where it's spelled out very clearly that these angels left their habitation. First estate. And and gives an indication that it was so uh, terrible what they did with mankind that they were judged and put in prison in Tartarus for right. what they did. And, and and although Scripture is our reliable witness to this, we find that it's also consistent with the belief of all the ancient people groups that we have records around the world mm-hmm. who also have an identical story, just like they have stories about the flood. Sure. And things. They have stories about these beings coming down, cohabitating with women, and creating giants. It is in every culture that's been a legacy. It was retained when they when they dispersed after the flood. They kept those stories with them, and the Bible is consistent with that. 
So we have ample information that that supports this. So you know, before those of you listening here uh, to turn over the radio dial when when you think you've had too much to hear, ask yourself this question. The passages that uh, Dr. Lynn just mentioned in Genesis chapter 6, the the whole concept of the Benai Elohim, the same words that are used to clearly describe angelic beings in Psalm and elsewhere, uh, their their, uh, appearance before and after the flood, they're clearly identified as giants by the 12 spies that go in and afterwards in the land. All of these passages that the the table of nations were numbered according to the numbers of the Benai Elohim or the sons of God, on and on. What do your other theologians have to answer what these things are? What alternative explanations that really hold water that are not just based on some kind of idle speculation? What do they have as alternative explanations from what you just shared? And I challenge my listeners to find something that holds water that's an alternative to what you just shared. And, of course, there really is none. The only other theory is is the Sethite theory, the ungodly line of Cain, which makes it's just torturing the text and makes absolutely no sense. And if the flood wiped everything out, then why do we see a, a recurrence of the Nephilim? And why does Jesus point to it himself? Um, and, you know, that, that's a whole discussion we could spend the rest of our time just dwelling on the whole Genesis passage, Genesis 6 passage and the flood and what happened and why mm-hmm. and all that. Well, that's why but, these people should t- take special listen to you, because you have taken the, the text as it is, the text is fantastic as it is. So they need to take that seriously when they look at you basically just reporting hard data and right. putting a direct correlation between the two. We have a very responsible theologian right now who's sharing with us this information, and people need to treat that as such. You know, in, in, the, in the book that precedes the alien interview, and the alien interview is sort of the offspring of my last book, which is Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, um, what's really interesting about that, there's a whole section um, in the film. If you really want to get into it, um, there's a whole apologetic, if I can use that word, regarding in the field and what they were, um, how they manifested, and, and it quotes a lot of different people, Dr. Thomas, the Book of Enoch, Chuck Missler. I mean, it's it's not an exhaustive work um, in the field, but it, it's a really good study. So I would, I would you know, if, if people want to know more about that, that's the place to get it, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So anyway, we have this breeding uh, program that we mm-hmm. have, this situation itself, and um, – he says several things to me that were incredibly chilling, and this is just information he got from all of the many correct. cases that he reviewed. Uh, is I, if I understood it correct, that that these particular beings actually uh, said that it had been a, a lengthy process ongoing, maybe multi generational, mm-hmm. of creating these hybrids of whatever this other species are with humans, and because of this repeated breeding and rebreeding, they're getting to look more and more humanoid in their appearance. And went so far as to actually test humans to see if they could pick out what these hybrids are from humans, and and, and gave the indication that there was a reason for for their creation. Correct. Well, this is uh, this is the whole crux of the matter, isn't it? The, the, there is a there's an end game uh, to this breeding program, and Dr. Jacobs knows about it. He's written two books about it. Let me quote him. He says, "I have learned that the abduction phenomena is vast, global, and it occurs with great frequency. The aliens." have put an enormous amount of time and energy into this breeding program. It is extremely important to them. That is a sobering thought. And he goes on from there basically saying that he feels that this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a word that he doesn't use, but in my opinion, it's nefarious. I mean, he's, he's in great uh, trepidation when he looks at the data that he's collected. He thinks that they're, uh, they don't have our best interests at heart, and of course I would agree with him. Uh, what we're looking at here is that 
this breeding program allegedly. There are people who um, who are uh, humans slash alien hybrids who can pass, who are actually in, oh. in our in yeah in in walking around amongst us and we don't know it. There was a a guest on Art Bell or I'm sorry George Norrie a while back. I forget the name of the name of these two women, but um, they one of the women had a blind one woman was an author and the other one was this woman who had had a daughter who was deceased and the and the daughter was blind and the daughter had this roommate called Rachel. Right. In fact, I think if you Google YouTube, you can listen to it. It's called Rachel's Eyes. And what was interesting, it was a hybrid. I mean, and, it, and the hybrid really couldn't pass. It was one of those. This goes back decades now, a couple of about mm-hmm. 20 years ago. And the hybrid, you know, once the sunglasses came off, um, you know, you could see that this wasn't wasn't all human. Now, that's about two decades ago. People are saying now Jacob believes now that they have integrated hybrids, which are which you can't tell that they're not totally human, except that they have superhuman powers. Which interesting is, let me wrap that up by saying this: Spielberg spent 20 hours on a on a miniseries, the most expensive television miniseries ever produced, called Taken. Right. Yeah. And and the end of that, uh, the last three or four episodes, is this little girl who's the product of his genetic manipulation, which has gone on since the Foo Fighters in 1945 at the close of the war. It is now present day. There are, there are four generations that have, that have come through, and she is the end product. And guess what, folks? She can bend space and time. She can stop time. And, that, and she looks human. She looks just like you or I, except she's part them. It's just chilling, absolutely chilling. And, uh, you know, that's – and, of course, Spielberg paints it that this is somehow benevolent and wonderful and fantastic and the end justify the means. Meanwhile, the other 16, you know, or 17 uh, uh, installations of that miniseries, people are murdered, killed. Uh, their lives are completely uh, ruined. I mean, it's just absolute total mayhem that these so-called benevolent entities are causing to get what they want, which is this little girl – who's got superhuman powers. And, of course, when I saw it, I was, like, yelling at the television set, oh, my gosh, it's the Antichrist. And, you know, for all practical <laughs> purposes, it's a little girl in the movie, but if it was a little boy, and I'm sure they made made it very deliberate it was a little girl, not yeah. a little boy. But, uh, you know, we'll see what shakes down with all that. We're back here at Future Quake Central with Dr. Future. And Tom, the center guy, Bionic. Are you a centrist? Uh, only when it comes to um, how can you be the center guy? There's only two of us. Pyro's not in here yet, so you can't even put him to the left of you. Yeah, I'm running out. Well, here's my imaginary friend. Okay, yeah, now that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, what about <laughs> Lynn Marzuli? And um, I'll have to say, uh, we talked a large part about the, the findings of Dr. Uh, David Jacobs who was mm-hmm. a very prestigious researcher, yeah. very well esteemed academic community. Mm-hmm. But I thought his stuff just blew me away. With all these people talking about a breeding program yeah. that they've been seeing. Yeah, the multi-generational breeding program of uh, humans and aliens. It's and worth getting the book. Just demonic w- the section on what and, he wrote, it's worth getting. You know, yeah, we got into a little bit, you know, of course, the scriptural thing of Genesis and Jude and all that, talking about the different thing. But, yeah, the breeding program. And, you know, what was especially interesting was uh, his... His mention of somebody named Rachel's Eyes that I plan on Googling. I guess there's a video or maybe a website or something that yeah. documents this person that they believe was blind and now deceased. And when, in fact, uh, was, in fact, a, um, uh, believed to be a hybrid. Yeah, I had seen that on Coast to Coast before, something about that. Rachel's Eyes? Uh-huh. Actually, all of her, but 
uh, it was a really strange kind of thing. They showed a close-up of their eyes being different and stuff. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. But um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit tomorrow about a passage in the Bible that I think relates directly to something that could explain this program. It's like a nail on the head. And I'm looking forward to talking about it with people. But we'd like really? to, uh, yeah, but uh, we would really like our listeners to uh, let us know what they think about guests like uh, Dr. Lynn. Mm-hmm. And, again, he's a guy who has sacrificed a lot, his career and other things, to do what he thinks is important. Yeah. and uh, i got to give him give him credit for doing what he thinks is right. And have him come speak at your church. Yeah. Boy, that'll really, you'll find out what your pastor and leadership think about you. <laughs> Pull that one off. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, pulling out some crazy guys, uh, Merv, come in here and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show, topics, or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Let's just get out of here. Any any comments in the end? Um, Well, I can't wait for tomorrow, you know. Oh, yeah. He's passionate. He's fired up. Classic future. I'm fired up. Classic future quake guest and topic. You just don't get any better than this. Mm -hmm. Till then, we hope your future is very bright and have a great day. Bye bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Doc Future. And I, of course, am Tom Bionic. Mm-hmm. Why are we and talking no like, time is left. Why are we talking like... trying to like do something the, different oh, every okay. day. We're, we should be sort of cool and mysterious. Word up, yo. Well, yeah, we're in the hood. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 There's our homeboys do, do, out there. Do, do, do. All right, this is Future Quake. And we need to get back to oh, Dr. Man. Lynn Marzulli. Yeah. And uh, he talked a little bit about that, that really weird show yesterday. Yeah, yeah, called Taken. Yeah. I've heard about it. I have not seen it. Well, I don't watch TV. More and more people suggest that these top people in in Hollywood are given information, revealed information mm-hmm. on stuff. Just like when Close Encounters of the Third Kind was made. Mm-hmm. How there were, in 2001, there were guys like... Um, Oh, who was the guy who was the father of our space program? I can't remember his name. German guy. Mm. Everybody knows him. Anyway, regardless, he was a consultant to him. And there, I won't go into all the details, but there's certain signs that he had certain information that he wasn't privy to give others that he released in the guys in the fictional stories of the movies. And there's evidence that he talked to him. Wow. The only reason I bring that up is that these guys are given information, and when you look in hindsight, you realize they knew something in advance. Mm-hmm. And they tend to prepare the public consciousness through entertainment. That's true. Mm-hmm. Just look at that show Heroes, all these people flying around with superpowers. Yeah, saving and they're the world. mutants. Yeah, they're mutants. saving everybody, saving the world. And yeah, and I guess, yeah, there's a world threat, and they're there yeah. to take care of it. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, speaking of that, we need to go. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here's Dr. Lynn Marzulli, and then we'll be right back to talk about it here on Future Quake. I, I, I want to go further uh, with, with this uh, whole supposition that he made because um, there's a passage in Scripture that I think sure. will be very consistent with this. Uh, and, and, and just to re-clarify with our listeners who've been following this so far, uh, this is the testimony from a very large number of abductees who have been scrubbed with people who are specially trained and to figure out people who are lying or exaggerating or whatever, people who are specially trained in interviewing people to find out what it, what is valid, and then also they look at a large database to look at consistency from, from more than one person, uh, obviously. So this is the data he's basing this upon, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, th- this, this whole concept of what these people kept saying they were exposed to, including these these aliens showing them these hybrids and trying to figure out if they could discern who they were, and, and obviously giving an indication that their intent was to deceive people by sending these hybrid people out into the midst among the human populace. There's a passage in the book of Daniel, uh, it's a very famous one about the statue, the, the vision of the statue that Daniel interprets, and it says that each of the Portions of the statue relates to a different kingdom that's in power uh, at various times in the world history. And at the end, what we understand to be the final kingdom uh, has, uh, has, has feet and then toes that were made of iron mixed with clay. And the King James has a very curious words that are used mm-hmm. that almost all pastors and teachers just gloss right over and move past. When he explains that the iron mixed with clay, the King James clearly says that the meaning is is that uh, they will mix their seed with the seed of men. Correct. Really? Now, yeah. it, it, it doesn't explain who they is, but we know it's evil because we understand it's an evil kingdom that Jesus himself has to come and destroy. And their association with the ten toes is understood to be the ten kingdoms of the revived Roman Empire or, or, or something akin to that. But mm-hmm. this passage about their seed being mixed with the seed of men, is that a possible biblical explanation of what he is finding is that it was actually saying ahead of time that that what was happening in Genesis chapter 6 will be happening at the time of these ten kings in leading up to it where they already start a program to to re-put these hybrids back into the human populace. Do you think that's an indication? Well, the short answer to that is is obviously yes. I mean, that's what I'm going to weigh down on. I'm very familiar with that passage. Remember when the first time I got to that, uh, the hair stood on the back of my neck, literally. I just sat there and stared at it in utter disbelief, and this goes back about a decade, and just sat there and just, just couldn't believe it because there it was. Um, you know, there, there's other – other, uh, and, and what's interesting is when, you, when we look at the, the book of Daniel, we realize that it's, it's the only place in Scripture where the term watchers is used. And, of course, watchers ties back into the book of Enoch and the Enochian account of the fallen angels and the watchers coming down. So, in my opinion, yeah, this is – this is very, very. Uh, it, the writing is on the wall, if I can uh, use another another phrase from the Book of Daniel. But I mean, the writing is on the wall, and I believe that their their seed uh, will not. Uh, you know, it'll mingle with us, but it, it doesn't work like iron mixed with clay. And that's exactly what we see in the breeding program. And what's so maddening about getting back to uh, the first part of our discussion with the church, you would think that with all these. You know, people like myself and Tom Horn and, and Joe Jordan and, and David Flynn and Mike Kaiser, just to name a few, Patty Heron, who have come forward and, and you know, and, and, and it's amazing how the Lord 
you know, doesn't give this to one person. He spreads it around to different people because we'll all look, you know, through a different a different window in like an, an octagonal gazebo. We'll all see the same picture but have a different interpretation of it and, and weigh in on it slightly differently. And I think he's given it to a, a, these group of people that I've just mentioned, and, and there are others who have, you know, um, put their hand to the plow, so to speak, and, and, and worked in this field for a while, for sticking with the analogy. But, uh, you know, this is it, – it, we're in it. The stuff isn't going away. The phenomenon is burgeoning. It fits into Scripture. The coming great deception is real. And just like the warnings that were, that were given, look, here's the deal. And this is why we're no different than, than let's say, 2,000 years ago. When Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, rolls into Jerusalem, he weeps. He looks over the city and weeps. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you did not know the day of your visitation. He held them accountable to know the prophecy of Daniel. They were supposed to know that. From the, so the decree goes out to rebuild the temple till the Messiah comes, the Shiloh comes, it'll be so many years. So, and they, they knew that. Mm-hmm. And here comes Jesus comes walking in, riding on that donkey, fulfilling prophecy all over the place. They were clueless. They were clueless. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we're no different. We're no different. The signs of the times are all around us. Israel is back in the land after 2,000 years of diaspora. Anti-Semitism is through the roof. By the way, I was called a Zionist Nazi in an email on a godlike production. Thanks, boys, for standing up on the Q files yesterday. <laughs> yeah, a Zionist Nazi or, uh, for standing up and, and talking about Israel and, and you know, the, the current war in Gaza and what's going on, which is a whole different subject. But the point being is prophecy is being fulfilled right in front of our eyes. And yes, there's a segment of the body of Christ like like yourself and other, other programs I'm on. I think a prophecy in the news, which had me on, we did an hour, fantastic. And right. that's what, you yeah. know, J.R. Church talks about constantly. And, and he's not afraid to talk about the Nephilim and UFOs and the coming great deception, you know, and neither are you guys. And my hat is off to you. Hopefully some Christians out there are listening to this. And frankly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The climate is beginning to change a little bit. There's more of an acceptance now. More people are starting to look at this thing going like, you know, maybe this Marzulli guy isn't such a nutcase. Any, you know, <laughs> there's, there's stuff going on. I'm looking at the yeah. history channel and they've got this stuff on, you know, all night long. That's all you look at. And the Discovery Channel, and you know, and and Nat Geo, and, and and other, you know, other. Look, Larry King had a whole whole group of guys on there after the Stevensville flap, and that's what they were looking at. So once again, I'll I'll state the phenomena is burgeoning. It's not going away, folks. We need to deal with it. Have well, a discussion. Well, and I I would uh, like to remind people, and I don't mean to uh, exaggerate this particular Bible passage, but it says in the last days that. There will be tares sown by Satan amongst the wheat, and that may be just speaking about people who are spiritually uh, malevolent that are in our group. But it may be that more was intended than that. It may be there, there there's an action of tares that have more of a, a genetic difference from us, and other intentions that go just beyond spreading uh, theological error amongst our group. Uh, but the key is to be aware of it and. Um, uh, one thing that we noticed uh, uh, some time ago, it's probably almost been two years ago, when Linda Moulton Howe came on our show, uh, mm-hmm. which is very interesting coming on a show like ours, uh, I, I, I don't know details about her spiritual position. I, I don't think it's probably a conventional Christian one, uh, but she is a seeker of data, and she is well known for just taking data and taking it wherever it is. And one of the curious things she said on our show well, that she mentioned near near the end was that she uh, had been given information by some impeccable 
government sources, high-level high government sources, whose name she has still kept, back in the early 80s, that said that both the British and the Americans had technology that they could use to basically point or aim at people uh, in a general population, a group on the street, and determine which people were complete homo sapiens and which had these other things done to them. And it was just completely out of the blue. She was talking about other data she collected, you know, from a very scientific standpoint, and just mentioned this on our show. This sounds very consistent with what you're you're telling us here about this program, and that, in fact, our government may even be aware of it and, and may be trying to deal with it. And the only people who may be asleep at the wheel are, are the church. Hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very sobering statement uh, when, when you get – Two people like Dr. Jacobs and, and Linda Moot and Howe coming out and saying essentially the same thing. But then when, then when we begin to examine what the so-called abductees are saying and what they report back to us and what they see, uh, we begin to realize that, like Dr. Jacobs says, that this, you know, there is an end game and they're moving towards it. And Jacobs, I think, recently on Coast to Coast came out saying that, um, and, and it backs up what Linda Moot and Howe was saying, that they've already integrated. Uh, into the society. And, you know, look, <clears throat> I, I have no idea who, who she talked to. I can't verify her data. Right. Yeah. We'll say this. But she has that, a reputation yeah, of collecting she, she, quality data. She's uh, amazing. She puts that she actually is a real investigator, like these people you see on TV dramas. She's the real deal. She goes out and makes measurements. She gets herself dirty. She collects it. She sends it to reputable labs. And that's why she's popular not only on Coast to Coast but on mainstream cable television and things like this because hmm. she is a true investigator. Yeah, she goes out and she gets, you know, gets her elbows in it, so to speak. Right. And is not afraid to, to examine the data and look at it uh, up close and personal. And, you know, here's the deal. If it, it, and it goes back and it follows right through the protocol that we have since the Roswell crash in 47, which I, I take as one of the greatest cover-ups ever. Uh, our government is afraid of the panic or certain, certain segments of that government, and I have no idea who knows and who doesn't know, okay? But certain, certain segments of this government uh, know of the so-called extraterrestrial presence on Earth. And they also know that at some point in time there is going to be revealing, um, a mass revealing. I believe, and I put this forward in uh, my last book, uh, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, that this will come on the heels of some sort of a cataclysm, uh, whether it's a war in the Middle East in which nukes are used or whatever. I mean, it'll be a climate of fear, and we'll see this revealing. And our government, has, has certain aspects of our government, I believe, know about this stuff um, and, have, and have kept it deliberately hidden uh, for, for literally decades. What's interesting is we're starting to see that Berlin Wall, if I can use the analogy or the reference to that, that Berlin Wall that we've created around <clears throat> uh, ufology beginning to crack. In other words, uh, a couple of months ago, the U.K. released so-called classified documents in, in which they uh, had one very unbelievable UFO. I think it was an F-14 um, that flew up against this, this craft, which was larger than an aircraft carrier, was about to fire all of its 24 rockets, and uh, at the, when the, just, just as he had his hand on the button, literally, this thing took off at 10,000 miles an hour. That's what the pilot estimated. Now, not only did the U.K. release that so-called classified information, at the same time, the pilot was there in the article. So as, as wow. the – Yeah, reporters – exactly. The reporters talking about the declassified information from the U.K. 
boom, here's the picture of this guy. 40 years later, he comes on the record and he's, you know, now revealing, yeah, I'm the guy, I'm the pilot, I've been given the go-ahead, you know, now it's declassified, I can talk about it, blah, 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 the thing was real. And that's from the U.K. We also have the Mexican government, the Belgian government, the French talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we see things like Edgar Mitchell coming up on Kerrang! Radio and announcing, that's where he announced it, that, oh, yeah, you know, Roswell, it's all real. I interviewed these people, and people have come up to me, and, you know, the government covered this thing up, and it's an ongoing cover-up. And then he appears within within a, a two-week time on frame on other nationally syndicated radio programs and television, including Hannity's America, where he comes on and openly states that this stuff is real and just kind of does it, you know, very very calmly without any fanfare. And, you know, Sean nods his head and listens, and then we go on to the next next soundbite in the next 12-hour news cycle. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, we are working towards disclosure, mm-hmm. which is why you have shows like the History Channel and, and other shows which talk about this stuff constantly. And the church, once again, is asleep, asleep at the wheel, the mm-hmm. not yeah. dealing with it, folks. Church, you got to wake up, invite people like mm-hmm. myself to come. I'll come and speak at your church for free. Give me a love offering and just get me there. I'll come and speak for free. Dr. Marzulli, um, uh, Tom was reminding me here of a note of something that, that also I had thought about early in our discussion and wanted, wanted to just mention. You know, I had an opportunity to speak at a United Nations and World Council of Churches-sponsored conference this last summer in Montreal uh, on the reconnection of heaven and earth, uh, a conference on religion and spirituality that, again, World Council <laughs> of Churches-funded and United Ooh. Nations. A major part of that, it was all based upon channeling spirits on the other side mm. and talking to these spirits. But <laughs> but a major part of it was the UFO gods and contacting UFO gods and funded by the UN and World Council of Churches. Stephen Bassett spoke there. Uh, also Dr. Stephen Greer, who talked about taking groups of worshipers out to welcome the UFOs who appeared and that many figures who are famous people in Washington, and he named names, of people including a recent CIA director who's very popular on conservative talk radio right now, uh, who has him in his home to find out what the UFOs are doing. Uh, we already know that Bill and Hillary Clinton have a keen interest in UFOs. And uh, Stephen Bassett, who's the, the biggest name in the disclosure field, and particularly getting our government field, right. to do it, he's planning to actually, uh, he said he'd come on our show here, but he led a whole group t- talking to people about what they expect to see happen. He showed the connection that the Clintons had with Lawrence Rockefeller, who had funded an initiative uh, regarding the disclosure of UFOs uh, that they signed on to. Uh, but I believe his name is John Poindexter. Is that the gentleman who uh, uh, was one of their uh, officials in their cabinet that, that was picked by Obama to put his cabinet together? Does that um, ring a bell? I'm- it does, but I, I, I don't, don't, you know. I, I believe it, sure. it's not Rahm Emanuel. It's another guy no, who put his cabinet together. Right. I think right. it's Poindexter. Polenta, maybe? No, no, no. Uh, I don't know if it's Poindexter. Well, anyway, I'll clarify it later on the record if it is. But anyway, he's the main person who put their uh, cabinet together. And um, he, uh, Podesta, John Podesta. Podesta, Podesta. there you go. That's Podesta. close to it. Right. Poindexter was a... No, Republican guy, like yeah. Polenta's good too. It's Palenta's also coins. good to eat. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but he actually uh, uh, was very strong. He signed up one of the early people in the UFO disclosure movement, the 
probably biggest name, along with uh, Bill Richardson, uh, who was going to be our, uh, I guess, Secretary of Commerce, I believe, yeah. uh, New Mexico governor. But anyway, uh, Podesta is, is fully blown into this. And what, what he had said this summer was that if, if Podesta was part of whoever the new administration was, that they would push for disclosure as early as the spring. And as it turned out, Podesta was selected by Obama's campaign to put together his staff. And about a week after that, I noticed in the news that Podesta came forward and said that this administration would call on the Department of Defense to release all records that the military had about disclosure, about the UFO phenomena. Now, that story was sort of lost amongst all the news stories, you know, after the election and all the excitement of the new positions. But that was a, that was a story I read here on the show. So I think this year possibly could be a year where we hear all sorts of amazing things yeah. uh, like this that start to start to come out. Well, here's a here's an interesting thought. Maybe these two things, maybe the the alien the alien disclosure thing and the economy spiraling completely out of control. Perhaps it's a uh, uh, perhaps it's something that was it's built up. Like there's going to be this engineered catastrophe, and then well, we're going to say. Let me hey, let me let me ahead. jump, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier that the Luciferians that that you know the, the satanic hosts work in a climate of fear. The mm-hmm. currency of hell is, is fear. Period. The yes. currency of heaven is one of faith, and we know this from uh, you know people who encounter these beings. They're absolutely terrified. And can you imagine? Can you just imagine if we have a nuclear exchange in the Middle East? If the Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophecy, which is written, comes true? And, and, you know, in my opinion, the players are all there. You know, I mean, what if the thing happens and and we see Israel respond with its nuclear arsenal and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are dead. Damascus is in ruins. Millions of people Mm -hmm. are are destroyed. We, we, if, if that happens, we have just witnessed not only prophecy being fulfilled, but the greatest climate of fear ever. Yeah, on this planet, ever on this planet. And but people like be, that, will they'll buy any answer if it's absolutely. a chance to get them out. a perfect time to have those ships just start popping over the cities, and they'll say, we, we genetically manipulated you 30,000. This is the alien gospel. We genetically manipulated you 30,000 years ago. We created all the world's religions. And now at this great time in human history of total cataclysm, we're here to help you over, mm-hmm. and we're going to usher in this new time of peace, this time of harmony, this this new religion will show you who God really is. And what do you think happens? The great falling away, which Second Thessalonians and they, warns us of. And they might want to loan us one of their leaders, a great hybrid <laughs> who could come down and lead us personally. You know, just just like you go. like God sent his own son uh, to personally lead the way for us. They'll do the It'll same thing. It'll be a counterfeit. And, exactly. and, lead, and lead their guy, and, and he'll come with his own John the Baptist too, uh, a prophet that will uh, proclaim him. Uh, to be the future king as well. Uh, let, let me ask you something related to this in the in the scriptural record as too. Uh, in Revelation, when we we read that horrible tale about the abyss opening, and we see these incredible creatures that come flying out and begin tormenting men, mm-hmm. and it says that they torment them for five months with these stinging attacks, and it says that men will seek death but will not find it. And that's always been a curious passage. Uh, and how could people like want to die but not be able to die while they're being, you know, under this assault? And, and an associate of ours pointed out that that sounded very similar to the experience that people have this 
sleep paralysis or experience where they can't move when these beings come mm-hmm. and do these painful reproductive type experiments right. on them. Do you think there possibly is a connection there about the helplessness that people have while these things are done and that kind of narrative that's discussed in uh, the book of Revelation? Well, you know, that that's open to all sorts of interpretation. We can have several scenarios. What if, what if for some reason, you know, men will seek death and not be able to find it? What if um, something happens where the body instantaneously heals itself? Mm-hmm. What 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 if that's the case? Some something has changed. Something has happened on some sort of a weird spiritual dimension. I don't know. I mean, but that's a very bizarre, very bizarre uh, passage. One thing I one thing I do believe when the when the abyss is open and these creatures do come out, I believe it that it's literal because of the genetic experiments that are going on mm-hmm. uh, with, with you know the fallen angels. These guys are screwing around with the DNA and everything else, who knows what kind of monstrosities they're making. I mean, we have no clue. So I think John's getting a glimpse of this thing, um, and I think it's real. And, you know, it, look, it, it's the idea of, of the abduction phenomena that you're talking about and the sleep paralysis, I mean, that, that could work into this in, in some way. Don't know, don't really want to find out. <laughs> it's the most horrible kind of thing that people can imagine. It's absolutely. Yeah. To be totally helpless and, and at the whims of evil beings who who have nothing but total malevolent uh, actions to do to you. Look, they they live off this stuff. They thrive yeah. off of it. They do. They yeah. thrive off of it. They, they 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 live off the fear. It's like energy to them. They feed off of it. It's even a f- worse fate than than being forced to listen to an entire episode of Future Quake. I was going to say, it sounds like <laughs> my last job. <laughs> Your last job. <laughs> We're back here at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And Tom, uh, not clay-footed bionic. Yeah, and I'm glad you aren't. Or iron mixed with miry clay. Uh, Yeah. And, um, in fact, that's what we talked about in this segment. We we focused on on a couple passages in the Bible Mm -hmm. that reinforced this whole thought. At least those are my speculations. Mm -hmm. What did you think about it, Tom? What did you think about my pointing that out? You know, I'll be honest, as much as I I hate to to compliment you on stuff here on the I know it's a killer for you. uh, You know, that one, I think you outdid yourself a little bit. I had no idea that that was there. Really? Yeah. I encourage and, you know, everybody like, to listen. You know, like I've I've been going through the um, the Tommy Eyes, Steve Gregg, uh, or Steve Cooper. Uh, those three guys. I'm, they had this Tommy Eyes, uh, a, a partial preterist. Uh, another guy and Tommy Eyes have been having this debate, all yeah. talking about Daniel nine. And I Charles uh, Charles Cooper. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Guess what? He's going to be on our show here in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I have a bunch of questions to ask him. Okay. Well, right. good. Well, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, any any questions you have to ask about what we covered here? We also not only talked about that, mm-hmm. which I think is something people need to focus on more in mm-hmm. in the uh, the ten toes, mm-hmm. but also about the uh, people being tormented from those locusts out of the abyss for five yeah. months well, being we stuck. A, well, you know, keep in mind that they're not really locusts. They just say that they're locusts. Well, I mean, they're not real locusts. They look like something like it, though. Yeah, but they're not like real locusts. Well, they before we saying they're locusts, we would say, "No, you're not locusts." You may tell me that. Well, no, if I mean I'm wrong, but I think it, later on in in that very narrative, like a half paragraph later, it says they're yeah. not locusts. Well, they have face of women, long hair, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, Regular yeah. old stuff. Speaking of locusts, Merv, <laughs> can you come in here and tell our listeners how they can let us know about Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. 
email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we gotta go. All right, man. Well, we just we just need to go. We need to get out. Of here. Uh, you keep stealing my lines. I'm sorry, folks. Thank you for uh, being here and tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of Future Quake with Lynn Marzuli. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Thirsty Edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I, of course, am the effervescent Tom Bionic. There you go again. Yep. we got to go real quick because we uh, have a long section here with Dr. Lynn Marzulli, uh-huh. the author of The Alien Interviews, talking about human-alien encounters and the Christian response. Right on. And, uh, we, talked you, about, we talked about Daniel last week. Um, yeah. Or yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, and uh, if you've missed the rest of the week and you think we've lost our gourd, uh, listen to the whole thing at futurequake.com and see what you think then. Till then, here is Dr. Lynn Marzulli, and we'll be right back for a quick write-up on Futurequake. Well, if you could oblige me, uh, and I know know we're coming around to to our last segment here, but there's some research I've been doing, and I just want to get a comment from you. And we've mentioned it a couple times on our show, but you are the person best equipped in the research in your book to provide commentary on it. Uh, as I pointed out before, uh, for my own research, figs are known in the Middle East. They call them the false fruit. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is that figs have to be artificially inseminated by something called a fig wasp. They have a different species that comes in and actually creates a reproductive propagation. And, and in my further research, the Hebrew letters that make up the word fig are virtually identical. There's a, there's a couple little little dots that go over a couple letters, and, and it's not a trivial difference, but as far as just the visual look at it, it's virtually identical to the Hebrew words for lust or copulation. Mm-hmm. Now, what's important is, is that they recognized that in the ancient world, and they always associated the two together. And in fact, something that is an ancient uh, sign from a hand signal from the ancient world of the Middle East is something called the mm-hmm. fig sign. And basically it's a sign that says, go copulate yourself. It's a vulgar term. But right. they have an association there with that. And in fact, the ancient Jews taught that they believed that the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was in fact a fig tree. And that is why uh, Adam and Eve used fig leaves to cover themselves up. Mm-hmm. And that's what's taught. But, but when you look in passages like Isaiah 34, Isaiah 34 echoes almost verbatim what the passage in Revelation talks about uh, during the sixth seal when it says that all of the he- uh, stars of the heavens will be dissolved and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All the starry hosts will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. Now, where have we heard that before? That's almost a verbatim description of, uh, in Revelation, I believe, chapter 6, regarding Mm -hmm. the sixth seal. Mm -hmm. They're described the same way, but they're clearly said that they are starry hosts or heavenly hosts that are falling like withered leaves from a vine or or the association of the figs. 
Well, this this is also uh, clarified in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, the two major passages in the Gospels where Jesus talks about uh, his return, where he he also refers to the stars falling from heaven under the same conditions and men's heart failing them for what is coming down upon the earth. Hmm. And then he immediately, right after that in, in these passages, mentions the parable of the fig tree. In right. both places, and mentions that when its leaves bud, and when you see it, the end is at hand. So he refers to the leaves budding, just like in Isaiah 34, whereas we see see the figs begin to shake in mass when when all the stars fall and are hurled down to earth in Revelation 6. Do you think that the isolated sightings in the sky that we see, UFOs, things like this, the abduction events that occur? And the Genesis 6, like reproductive experiments, which we have already seen occurred with the Benai Elohim, uh, the sons of God, these heavenly host figures, could could these isolated events that you're reporting on your book be something like the budding of the fig tree that Jesus is, is warning about that is just a precessor from the wide-scale falling of the figs and, and will fall in mass very soon? Well... It, let's just look at the scripture and what, it, what you just you quoted uh, Luke 21 and Matthew 24. Also, Mark uh, mm-hmm. 13 has the same <clears throat> the same passage, and, and Jesus is saying men fainting from fear for what is coming down upon the earth. And you know I interpret that, and, and you know where I'm going to go with this. What are we looking at? What phenomenon is happening? As I told the gatekeeper this morning, if if UFOs weren't being sighted like this. I'd be looking for something else. I wouldn't be writing about this. But that's what's right in front of our noses. Men fainting from fear of what is coming upon the earth. And in my opinion, I think this whole UFO phenomena is what is uh, what is going will certainly will create fear um, and, and is already doing so. Just talk to some people about the encounters with, with these beings and what's going on. Um, and I'm, I'm right on board with you. How does it tie into the fig tree? You know, some people believe that, that whole passage, you know, equates to uh, Israel, modern-day Israel, when you see the budding of the fig tree, and, you know, Israel blooming, that generation will not pass away. And, but but and let, I, me, I, let me just say, I hear that most of the time, but right. I, I don't see a really strong connection why we should think that, whereas the passage I just cited is just a verse or two before his citation of the parable of the fig tree. And, in fact, if you look at Paul's writing and others, the olive tree is consistently used as a for metaphor Israel. for Israel. Right. And, and I've always said, quite honestly, I've looked at the text and I was taught that, you know, the big tree is Israel, blah, blah, blah. But in some ways, it, it's almost like torturing the text to get that, that a generation will not pass away before, you know, we see these things right. happen. Men fainting from fear of what is coming on the earth, signs in the heavens. And all I, all I you know, look, I just, I just believe that, that we are in a time uh, moving towards the time of Jacob's trouble, and that the UFO phenomena, I keep saying this, is burgeoning. It's not going away. Church needs to deal with it. We need to get a dialogue about it. We mm-hmm. need to arm ourselves uh, to give an answer in season and out of season and be something to the, <clears throat> you know, try to be what, what, you know, like a chameleon. If I'm talking to someone, and I do this all day long, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's immersed in the new age, I'm not going to say Jesus. I'm not going to say Jesus. I'm not going to use the word Bible. I'm going to use the word Yeshua, his Hebrew name, and I'm going to refer to the Bible's ancient manuscripts. Because the moment I say Bible and Jesus, the switch goes right off. They're done. They already figured out, or they think they figured out who I am. But if I, if I say Yeshua and, and ancient manuscripts, I can, I can talk to them, you know, one-on-one and talking about my research. And oftentimes people, 
you know, are very, very receptive to that. But just to close that, I think that that phrase, men's hearts failing them for what is coming down upon the earth, is one of the most sobering statements in all of Scripture, that and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. We are moving into a horrific period of time. If, if you know, Dr. Future, if what you and I, you know, believe, it's, it's about to happen, about to come mm-hmm. to pass. And, of course, I think we're on the same page. I think we're in this window of time uh, where unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. And that's very sobering statements. Yeah. Well, and men's hearts may just start to start failing them now. Uh, I think it's starting already. Yeah. Correct. Well, you know, the, the, the high, I don't mean to get back on the hybrid thing again, but there's just so many facets to this. Do you think these early hybrids that were talked about by the um, witnesses that were, that were testified in, in your book, do you think these early hybrids could be strategically placed within groups like the transhumanist movement, which is trying to push and get human acceptance of artificial uh, changes to our own DNA? Uh, you know, we, we live in a days now where even our, our uh, soon-to-be president uh, does not have to produce his own birth certificate to take the highest office in the land. Uh, so if, if that's the case <laughs> of the highest offices, how do we know the true origins of many people that we deal with? Well, I mean, it, it, it's a great question. Uh, and, and this poses all sorts of problems. If, if and when the hybrids do come forward, then is the rest of the human race considered sort of second-class citizens? In other words, here, if the hybridization program is really happening, are these, are these in fact, going to be uh, governors of certain areas, certain cities, certain, you know, I mean, who knows how this thing is going to come down and how it's going to get set up. Uh, I, I am alarmed by the fact that we keep hearing about that the so-called hybrids can pass as human, but they have supernatural powers. And, uh, you know, most people are going to look at this stuff. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Just, just take, just take the average Joe on the street. You know, if, if someone, literally in front of them is able to levitate or do something like that. I mean, that's, that is just unbelievable. You know, if, if a being can, let's say, levitate in front of you, you know, most people are just going to create, create or look at that person as, as, as godlike. Whether they begin to worship him or not, who knows. But he's, he will certainly appear and look godlike, you know, to, to mere mortals. And so we're, we're moving into this time frame I think it's just going to get really nuts. You know, when Second Thessalonians tells us that when Satan comes, he comes of all signs and lying wonders, and everybody in the pew yawns and checks their watch and thinks of the roast that's baking in the oven and all this other nonsense, you know, we're so – there's like a malaise over, over, over the church, and we don't realize the severity of that warning. Satan comes with all signs and lying wonders – the deception is going to be so off the hook, and I've said this before on your show, that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. Mm. What is coming is horrific, folks. Wow. Well, um, the <clears throat> something that Glenn Gould, I believe, was the person, uh, sure. implied in an interview that you did, that, that any disclosures that come out to the public uh, about their presence of these aliens uh, or that we were threatened by aliens – would result most certainly in a one-world government that would come together. Uh, and when I read that, it made me think of a quote of, yeah. of, of no one else but Ronald Reagan, who, who said at the UN 
that yep. if if the whole world could face some kind of external threat from someone on the outside of Earth, that that would bring us all together uh, to fight this. So there's something in the psyche of mm. humankind, or at least our our leaders, that see this association as an opportunity. Uh, do you think this will happen? That something like this would be the stimulus for for the final peg for one world government. I think our economic malaise certainly supports it as well too, and yeah, they're pushing they for that. But but do you think something like this would actually be the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, to lead to one world government? Yes, uh, I, I've used a term which I call the acceleration, and I think we are in a, a time period which I call the acceleration. We are everything is accelerating. It's happening so quickly that you can barely keep up with it. There's wars in Israel. Israel's surrounded by all these hostile nations. Ahmadinejad is threatening to destroy Israel, calling it a, a cancer soon to be irradiated. We see the Russian bear alive and well, uh, which is which is Magog talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophecy. We see the movement towards a one world currency or one world economic system. When Sarkozy and, and Merkel and and uh, and Brown and others uh, in in the European community begin to talk about some sort of a one-world economic solution to the present crisis. When we see uh, um, headlines talking about the, the governments, uh, the instability of the governments of, of Pakistan and Mexico and how we may wake up in a week or two and realize that the Mexican government has completely collapsed and the Pakistani government has collapsed. Yeah. And the Pakistans have, you know, oh, Pakistanis oh, have, have the nuclear capabilities. They've got the nuke does that mean that it falls into uh you know jihadist islamic terrorists who knows the world is so flipping complex right now so complex <laughs> china and india emerging africa completely inundated with like in, in areas like the sudan where genocide is going on and because there's no oil there no one really cares meanwhile the, the, the tally's up around 300,000 the aids epidemic has completely ravaged the subcontinent upwards of 60 to 65 million people slaughtered the abortion phenomenon in this country 50 million babies murdered in their mother's wombs which is a blood curse over this entire nation i mean i can go on it's just it's not slowing down it's accelerating uh, ufo's burgeoning to the to the tune of over 300 sometimes over four or 500 sightings that are global happening per month it used to be one or two a year now it's three or four hundred a month and we see more trace evidence we see like ufo films and and uh, and 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 flaps like the stevensville texas things are accelerating and to get to the point is this the book of revelation states very succinctly very deliberately very poignantly that there's going to be a one-world religious system and a one-world government. The two go hand in hand. And I think we are rushing towards those times, rushing towards it. And you ask yourself, and I, I talked about this incessantly in, in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. And by the way, if you want to check my stuff out, it's lamarzuli.net. lamarzuli.net, the, uh, the book, The Alien Interviews, is, is an e-book. It's interactive. It's got websites and links and all sorts of neat stuff. It's six bucks. You download it. It's a PDF file. Boom, you're on your computer reading and checking out the websites, mm. checking out the links. Fascinating book. 17 interviews. LAMarzuli.net. LAMarzuli.net. Go there. Check it out. But Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural talks about this very thing. How do you take... 1.3 or 1.4 billion Muslims and over 2 billion Christians on this planet and change their worldview. You need, you need an experience. You need something which is so overwhelming. There's that word that Ricky Soros used when he saw that two-mile ride craft mm -hmm. over his head. You need something so overwhelming, so unprecedented. You need an event. 
when you see a three-mile-wide craft hovering over Los Angeles... That it would make our differences trivial in comparison. Completely, completely. And especially when they've got holographic film of the resurrection of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus and Moses parting the Red Sea. Talk about all and, this. And Muhammad, possibly Muhammad and Buddha. Absolutely. Oh, all these people will be yeah. right there on holographic film. Well, uh, let me, uh, speaking of these other characters, there was another interesting mention in here because it relates to other guests we've had on, like Peter Goodgame and his work sure. comparing the um, the foundational uh, alternative religious system to Judeo-Christianity uh, in in the work of Nimrod and setting up the first alternative religion that mm -hmm. that, that then became known, according to his research and proposals, as Osiris and the whole Osiris-Isis myth mm -hmm. that became this opposing uh, Babylonian mystery religion uh, that conquered Rome and now is having a, a, a big recurrence right now. Uh, I've just been reading lately from uh, Peter Jones, who's an expert in the area, that this adoption of worshiping Isis is now going really big. What well, Lynn Dickey, I believe, was the name of the person he interviewed, that yeah. said that an E.T. appeared uh, in their interviews and said they referred to himself as Osiris. What do you think about that, about an E.T. taking an old ancient Egyptian character like that and making an identity with that? Does that shed any light on, on their plans or who they are? Well, it certainly does, and this would tie into uh, uh, Billy Myers' uh, abduction or, or contactee. He was also a contactee like Lindicki, where this being said, I'm, uh, I'm Simyazi, which is taken right out of the Book of Enoch. Which you know, and I've, I've I've reported on this. It's either one of two things: either Samyazi, uh, the name that that Billy Meyer found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, because that's where it's mentioned specifically in the Book of Enoch, and he just borrowed it because this whole thing is a hoax, and who cares? Or we're looking just like Lindicky of of the emergence of the manifestation of ancient uh, extra ex interdimensional interdimensional creatures. Samyazi was a fallen angel talked about in the Book of Enoch. Of course, I believe Osiris. Is nothing more than a fallen angel masquerading as a god, and 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 these beings, these entities, are are back uh, in motion. And you could make a case, and I, I get into this in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. Not so much in the alien interviews, which is why mm -hmm. the alien interviews is the offspring of politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. Okay, mm -hmm. but there's one one part I write you know, about. To be to be safe, people should just order both of them. Would that yeah. be okay? Just read them all. <laughs> just read them all. If that's okay with you, Lana, just to be safe, it'd be good to get both of them. But so much information in those things. But one of the theories I, I, I put forth, and, and this is why there's a blood curse on this country. There, make no mistake about it, folks. There's a blood curse on the United States. Fifty million aborted babies, that's a blood curse. You can yell and scream at me and call me right wing, and, and you can, you know, flip me off or do whatever you want to do. There is a blood curse on this country, period. And that's why we are no longer wow. in favor. I don't know what that means. That's not for me to say. But as a, as a, as a modern day sort of prophet, if you want to call me that, and I've never called myself that. Other people have. But I'm sounding a warning. There's a blood curse over this country. 50 million. In the same way, you can make a real strong case, and I do so in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural, that the sacrifice of 6 million Jews, the methodical annihilation, killing, slaughter, Luciferian sacrifice of 6 million Jews was like the Holocaust, the word actually means as on a burnt offering as on an altar. And that's exactly what it was. And you could make a real strong case that that was done deliberately by the Nazis. Mm -hmm. and, and that cracked something open. That cracked mm -hmm. a, boy, a portal into another dimension and allowed the fallen ones back in. Remember that the whole deal where he who restrains, uh. right? 
until he who restrains is taken out of the way. And all the all the pre-rapture crowd just love that and go, oh, oh we're going to be the church. We're going to be raptured. You know, I hope you guys are right. But what yeah, if it's too. talking about, you know, an entity that's guarding a portal? Right. That's, that's stopping, stopping these from manifesting, stopping that mystery of iniquity from fully manifesting. You know, so it it can go both ways. Here, well, folks. one of your neighbors out there, one one of your down the street neighbors, Jack Parsons, uh, out there in Southern California, about that same time, did the Babylon working out there in the California yeah, him desert. And, him and L. Ron Hubbard. Actually. L. His, yeah, his buddy L. Ron yeah. Hubbard. Yeah, I don't go. know what it is about you Southern Californians, but Something migrated here. I'm not born here. I think the, <laughs> I think the, the Church of Satan, I think, from some of that yeah, neck of the woods too. It? But uh, you know, he they went in to open a portal too. And they say the entity came out, you know, the the, right. the whore Babylon, the consort for the Antichrist. So there were some strange going on. You look at the atomic weapons that were released then. Suddenly we get the Dead Sea Scrolls, which give authenticity to books like the Book of Enoch, which gives us sure. explicit details right. for people who have ears to hear uh, to actually know what's going on. It's like God unlocked at the time we needed it information for us to understand what we were seeing with our eyes at the same time that Roswell occurred. So, you know, that was a key point that you're mentioning right there. And what you, what you, what you mentioned about this sacrifice that permitted this portal is a very, very intriguing thought. We're, we're getting to the end of our show. We've got about, uh, I don't know, three and a half minutes or so left uh, in our show. But I want to ask you uh, very briefly what should Christians and others do constructively with this information that you provided to us? What, what can we do useful with it? Well, it's just a, a, a whole host of ideas. First of all, uh, the idea of losing, losing your, your faith in, in Christ and falling away and renouncing Jesus, which really is the unpardonable sin. Uh, you know, and, and that, that certainly can happen. A person can be completely confused by this. Uh, when when that revealing really happens, it's also the, the further look. We're, we're told we're, we're exhorted to be able to give an answer, right, to people. And this is what it, what is the what is the the most unbelievable event in our time could be uh, the revealing of these so-called extraterrestrial presence, which I believe are satanic interdimensional beings. What was mm -hmm. what was what did we see on the Drudge Report today? We saw NASA. There's you know there's methane gas. There's life between on the soil and Mars, and this whole thing, the whole, whole idea of pants for me, or we're being set up for something. We're being set up for the great deception. My job is to warn people. Okay, that's what my job is. That's why I've written five books. And I'm working on my sixth now. So it's like people should get my books, read these things, and be able to talk and alert their church and their their circle of friends as to what is going on. So when things begin to happen and and there's ridicule because there's always ridicule when you when you come out and say I think I saw a UFO you're scoffed at you're ridiculed but that climate is changing now right. and so that's why people we need to arm ourselves to understand that if we are living in the last days and I believe that we are deception is the calling card the Luciferian calling card of that of the day and mm -hmm. we need to be able to to understand what that deception is articulated to our friends and neighbors and our family. And to and to create an atmosphere of of faith and not fear, because when this thing kicks off, it's going to be it's going to release the greatest amount of fear this planet's ever known. Well, if I could give those it, days were shortened. That's right. To survive. Well, let me give it just a real quick testimony here before we wrap up uh, in line with what you said. What I have found when people bring up these topics, these strange topics, because people do bring them up all the time, no matter what your church says. You're around groups of people. This is what they want to talk about. When they bring it up and they ask you and you suddenly have answers, 
There you go. First of what all, what a witnessing tool. Well, first of all, they look at you like you're really strange. But if you speak with confidence and education, and you have data on your side, and you can speak consistently, and you can take real data that's in the news, compare it to scripture, and let scripture explain what's going on. Or at least with caveats, say, look, this is a possibility of what we see going on. You turn out to be the only guy with answers, the only guy or girl, and suddenly they want to hear what the rest of you know about the Bible. That just occurred to me on this trip I just had overseas. The same exact thing happened. Mm. People wanted to hear about the rest of what you had to say. We're always afraid we're going to be looked at as a nut, and usually that just happens in the church. When you get outside of that, people don't have the same hang-ups, and they're willing to listen to you about things, but they want people who have some authority and have answers. And there are all sorts of witnessing opportunities that happen. So we have a responsibility to be aware of these things. If, well if you want to do nothing but just share the gospel with people, and you feel like this is a, is a means by which you can open a door to share. But this information is important. And in your own church, you need to be willing to take the heat. Brother Lynn here took enough heat that, that he lost a, a position and income in a very prestigious position because he believed in it. And I want to challenge our listeners. What are you willing to take a stand on? What are you willing to do? And the first step I would suggest to know what you're talking about is go get Brother Lynn's books. This is not a two-hour infomercial. That's not the purpose of this. But we try to expose people to information they need to know to be aware of what's going on. And I highly recommend uh, that you get hold of the books. And we're also, if you don't mind, Brother Lynn, put your uh, link at our website. Please do. And send people. LAMarzuli.net. We'll send people to listen to our show. Uh, listeners, you come uh, tell your friends to listen to the show. There's a link there. You can go there and get this information. Brother Lynn, we're going to have to go. But I uh, just want to thank you so much for your time spent with us. And would you come back uh, more quickly next time and, and have you yeah, back you to know, talk guys, about what's going on? We, yeah, we should uh, You know, have me back next month or the month after. I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, there Absolutely you go. Love <laughs> well, I just hope you, you enjoyed the process here. I hope mm-hmm. it was worth your time. Fascinating stuff, yeah. guys. Well, God bless you, brother. We support you in your work. Yeah. Our listeners do. I know they love you and care about you. They feel like your work is very, very important, no matter what the fuddy-duddy said out there, okay? Uh, there are people who appreciate what you're doing, and there's many of them out there, and they would certainly like to have you back. In the meantime, they've got some homework to do. I appreciate that, guys. Well, God bless you, brother, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. All righty. Take care. Take care. We're back at the Future Quake show with Dr. Future. And Tom Bionic. And we're going to have to go real quick. We hope you enjoyed Lynn Marzulli, but first of all, we want to get in Merv to tell you how to get hold of us. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, got to say goodbye. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow for tomorrow's streamers. Till then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. 
And it's been a long week this Indeed week. It has, man. We had the inauguration. and We've had some very difficult technical problems. Yeah, mysterious I don't, things. I don't know what's been going on. Mysterious stuff. But it was a good show this week. Uh, before that, we recorded our interview with Lynn Marzulli. Mm-hmm. I think we met our prerequisite weirdness. I know. We got that in. We have to have some... True weirdness, at least once a month. In fact, I think he rescued us. We were really low on the. We were getting all touchy feely, and not that that's bad, but it's like. Yeah, no, it was like just being on Oprah or something. (laughs) Minus Tom Cruise jumping over the chairs. Well, that's true, sort of weird and and false religion. Yeah, aside from that, Satan. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. We call this tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news, which we do every Friday. After we have a uh, primo guest Monday through Thursday, we come back and do a review of the news. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, this week is no exception. By the time you've got some stories for us, I do. I want you to lay some of these things on us. Well, first off, I want to give a little shout out to a, a good brother of mine who's just started a church in our listening area. Okay. Um, it's uh, the Cavalry Cavalry Fellowship Franklin dot com. My uh, buddy of mine, Brian Pachochin, is the the newly Who's a good guy. Good guy. Newly, I don't know if you call him newly elected because he didn't get elected, but he's newly installed. New church planner. Yeah, church planner down there. Um, and he's got, they're, they're meeting once once a week, Sundays, uh-huh. uh, 1530 Lexington Parkway, Franklin, 37069. And one of the reasons you mentioned this is that we've had a number of people contact us mm-hmm. who've come to Documentary Night or whatever and yeah. liked it would be some kindred spirits yeah. like us, but they live on the south side of town. Yeah. We, we go to church on the north side of town at Calvary Chapel mm-hmm. Rivergate, yeah. and uh, he's sort of getting the same groove going Indeed. down that way. He's got that groove going on, yo. And uh, all of our Snap. friends out there, particularly those on the southern half of the uh, Nashville area, metropolitan mm-hmm. area, check out and support Brother Brian. Um, yeah. He's wonderful... Uh, Wonderful brother in the Lord. He's got a great spirit and gift. Wonderful gift of music that yeah. he has as well. And uh, they've started a, a new fellowship that he's been uh, building through uh, home groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. they've formed in their own now it's group. Now it's official. So go down and check it out. They also have a little website. It's CavalryFellowshipFrank.com. Okay. And and where was the location again where they meet? 1530 Lexington Parkway, Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. 37069. And at the time they meet is Sundays at what? Uh, I think it's 10 o'clock. 10, 10 a.m. on 10 Sundays? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you have any questions about it, email us, and we'll mm-hmm. forward those emails on. Yeah. And uh, well, we highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for catching that. And yeah. you have a story for I us. I do. I okay. do. Lay it on. Man, I tell you, it's been a weird, weird couple of days. Here's one. Uh, sustained H5N1 transmission in Shanghai... China raises concerns. Um, Which is the bird flu, right? The bird flu. Avian bird flu. Yeah. Okay. Um, when was this story? When did it come out? January 20th. All right. 2009. So it's very current. Um, excuse me, folks. I had a little thing on my paper there. Uh, her mother, last December 21st through the 26th, uh, had a history of exposure to live birds. December 28th, 29th, there was a slight fever due to severe pneumonia on January 2009, death of six uh, or seven. The above translation includes the disease onset date for the index case of the Hunan uh, Shanxi cluster. The two-year-old daughter developed symptoms on January 7th when her mother died, signaling transmission of H5N1 from mother to daughter. The daughter was taken to the Shanxi, was taken to Shanxi, where she was hospitalized. So translation. Um, yeah. This lady uh, contracted, she had 
exposure to these birds. She contracted the disease. Uh, the disease just uh, spread to, from mother to daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the daughter was taken to the same hospital where she was hospitalized. Did it affect the mother at all? Well, her you might say her condition, condition is stable. Okay, so she got sick too. She I got yeah. Mom that. got sick and she died. Oh, oh, then that's then that's not yeah good. Yeah, I thought that was apparent. Sorry, well, I don't know if you were joking or. I may have been meditating or praying about something when you read that. I'm okay, sorry. That's fine. Um, I apologize for not making that clear. Mom's dead. Two-year-old daughter is going to die soon. Um, however, another report indicates two other family members were hospitalized in Shanghai signaling transmission of H5N1 from the daughter to the Shanghai relatives. Thus, although there is only one confirmed case and the WHO in- update indicates all contacts are healthy, quote-unquote, media reports describe three additional family members infected with H2H2H2H, um, which is a transmission chain technical sort of thing. I'm glad you clarified that for people keeping <laughs> track at home. Yeah. Uh, this transmission chain is the longest reported to China uh, to date, uh, in China to date. Clusters of two have been previously reported before, with two transmissions uh, has not been reported previously. Hmm. Um, this transmission chain, coupled with the symptomatic health work, care worker in Beijing, as well as a bunch of other numerous reports they're not reporting, that's uh, my commentary, but uh, I think it's true, uh, as well as confirmed cases in Shandong and Guzhou represent confirmed or suspect H5N1 cases that have died or have been hospitalized this month. Uh, that also goes along with um, uh, some other stuff we've been seeing. Oh, I didn't bring that article. You've had a number of stories that are just starting to come out yeah. that avian bird flu is starting to pop up in the human population, various mm-hmm. places. And I think what you told me off air is in China... The fact that they're mentioning it now probably means it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, they're, China is saying we're moving swiftly to contain, to to try and cut off a pandemic, a possible mm-hmm. pandemic of the bird flu. Now, things you have to remember about China, this week is uh, the Chinese New Year, so there's all these people going back to home to do their Chinese New Year thing, mm-hmm. uh, eat large meals of duck, chicken, birds, mm-hmm. and uh, other types of poultry. Um, like Beijing duck? Beijing duck, flat duck, right? What about a flat duck? Uh, that's the Beijing duck. They they take all the bones and smack it out, and it's like this big around. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh yeah. Huh. Um, they treat it like it's Tiananmen Square people. Well, they don't roll it over by a tank. But, okay. <laughs> um, but the point is, is we may very well be coming close to this open door of uh, bird flu, and uh, uh, China's doing their typical maneuvering of denying everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's too late until it's until they can no longer deny it, and then they minimize the damage by saying, "Oh, well, it's no big deal." Meanwhile, people are dying. And well, the other thing you didn't mention about Chinese New Year is you're going to have a whole lot of people that are going to be close to each other underneath those big long dragons that go around in the streets. It's true. They all get out of there. And the other thing is they're all going to be traveling by train back home yeah. and then back to wherever they are, you know, working. So you're going to have a huge amount of rail transportation. That'll stir the pot. That'll It'll stir it the pot. So one guy gets that. One guy gets bird flu. It's going to get past. You know, he gets on a train. Mm-hmm. And he may not even have place. symptoms yet. Yeah. He may go on and be spreading, but not even know he has it. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Well, <clears throat> it's interesting you mention this because you know I've been working on this project. I'm finishing on uh, famines, 
mm-hmm. in on things, and I was looking at a little history. One of the worst famines, well, the worst one of the 20th century was in China, mm-hmm. when tens of millions of people died from that. Mm-hmm. And um, in true Chinese fashion, communist Chinese, they would not admit that they had failed in their central planning. Oh, sure. To cause it. So they didn't even tell other Chinese people. So most of the Chinese people didn't even know there was a famine elsewhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until tens of millions had died that they started to admit they had a problem. They're, so that's sort of their modus operandi. Yeah. Uh, well, the typical thing that you see both in China and Russia and other communist countries uh, is that they will they will always... Um, what do you got going on there? Start down a little bit. Okay. Um, Technical. Let, let us know if it gets too yeah. slick out You're there. You're supposed to, like, keep going while I adjust the board. <laughs> just let everybody know we're having to adjust things. You're hey. supposed to just keep talking. Okay. I make an invisible motion, so you're Wasn't supposed to just go over there and turn it. Like... You're like, what are you doing, Dr. Future? <laughs> what can I do to break the wall of illusion? I'm telling a story. Uh, anyway, the point was is that uh, you can never criticize uh, the body politic in a communist country. You can blame individuals, mm-hmm. but you could never criticize the body politic, even if it's for the benefit of the mankind. And that's what you see, mm-hmm. you know, in your story there. Mm-hmm. As well also, as, in the United States is another country like yeah, that. Well, too. we're going towards socialism, like a, you know, like a tuba out of work tuba player trying to jump on the bag wagon. So, it's a it's a mess. What can I say? Okay, would you like me to share a story? That's one Maybe. that's going to keep coming back in the days ahead. We oh, presume. Yeah. Well, the next one, the next one I got is uh, anti-terror bosses use the Black Death to quell uh, Al Qaeda. But so we'll get to another the, plague-related yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. Plague thing. If you want a little break, here, here's yeah. one just about Christians getting treated wuffly, as Elmer Fudd would say it. Tweeted, <laughs> say. tweeted wuffly. When did I start doing a show with Elmer Fudd? Uh, this is from the Telegraph in the, in the uh, UK, uh, well-respected publication. Christians are becoming social pariahs in Britain, claims Jeremy Vine. This guy's sort of a famous uh, TV show host. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, the BBC presenter, British Broadcasting Corporation, has claimed that it's becoming socially unacceptable to be a Christian in Britain. Uh, and this also came out 18 January. Uh, Mr. Vine says that he is forced to separate his personal beliefs from his role as presenter. The Radio 2 host said that he feels unable to talk about his faith on his show because he fears how people would react. So... It's not the the management. It's like the whole country people he's worried about. Right. Um, he argues that society has become increasingly intolerant of the freedom to express religious views. You can't express views that were common currency 30 or 40 years ago, he said. Arguably, the parameters of what you might call right thinking are probably closing. Now, this relates directly to what we talk about uh, upcoming next week with Peter Jones, mm-hmm. uh, where we talk. He, he said all this is starting to happen about the same time this guy said 30 or 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter Jones is, fr- is from the U.K., so he can sort of relate to this. Mm-hmm. He says, sadly, along with that has come the fact that it's almost socially unacceptable to say you believe in God. His comments follow the claim from Cardinal Cormac Murphy O'Connor, the head of the Catholic Church in England and Wales, that Britain is an unfriendly place for religious people to live. Mr. Vine, 43, is a practicing Anglican, but says he he would be compromised by being more open about his faith on air. Just blurting it out would be destructive, he said. Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> I'm just making up for him. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Used up our quotient there. <laughs> uh, just because something's true doesn't mean you can't say it, or you can say it. That's quite an important principle. So, 
Even yeah. though he says it's true, you still can't say it there. Yeah. Once I put my cards on the table about my faith and discussions, it becomes problematic. In an interview with Reform, a magazine published by the United Reformed Church, Mr. Vine says that he is forced to separate his personal beliefs from his role as a presenter or host. Uh, one of the uh, things that I think, which may sound bizarre, is that Christ is who he said he was. I don't think I'd put that on my show. I suppose there's a bit of firewall between thinking that and doing the job I do. Last year, Mark Thompson, the director general of the BBC and a practicing Roman Catholic, suggested that Islam should be treated more sensitively by the BBC than Christianity. However, he also said that accusations that the corporation was anti-God were not just too sweeping, they're not even directionally true. Ed Stowerton, one of Mr. Vine's colleagues at the BBC, uh, said that he felt uh, that the biggest problem for people of faith is being sidelined. Clearly, we live in a secular society, and that has increased, but I don't get a sense of being persecuted, he said. There's a problem for people who are active in their faith and feeling that the society around them ignores them. The Today presenter said that he wouldn't allow his faith to affect his job, as he has a duty to reflect the views of his audience. I wonder mm. if that really is a duty. Anyway, mm. interesting. he added, I'm perfectly happy to say I'm a Roman Catholic, and that doesn't mean I'm a nutter. Or like nut case like translated yeah. here, yeah. It's not like a nutter butter. Candy bar, yeah. Cookie. Uh, Tony Blair re- revealed in 2007 that he'd been unable to be open about his faith when pre- when prime minister for fear that people would label him a nutter. Well, that's okay because I label him a nutter too. Oh well, and he's not quite your traditional uh, Orthodox Christian either. It's one thing. Well, we won't. Get into very it. much. Well, we won't get into other. It. Uh, yeah. Peter Jones would know much about what he believes in. Yeah. Uh, paganism. It's difficult if you talk about religious faith in our political system, he said. If you are in the American political system or others and you can talk about religious faith and people say, yes, that's fair enough. And it is something they respond to quite naturally. You talk about it in our system, in the UK, and frankly, people do think you're a nutter. Well, there you have it. So, that's it. Poor Jeremy Vine. How about a nutter story for us? <clears throat> Speaking of uh, uh, our our political brethren to the east and north I guess uh, that would be of course the United Kingdom Okay. anti-terror bosses last night hailed their latest ally in the war on terror dot 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 when does this story come out yesterday Okay. the black death oh. <laughs> at least 40 Al Qaeda fanatics died horribly did you laugh the... over the black death I'm just I did actually that's the last time I've heard that the Black Death. <laughs> well, it's just You're like you know maybe Bond or something like that. I've heard villains. Well, it's not. I, I don't think it's it, it's not a laugh of like, gosh, that's funny. It's a laugh sort of of disbelief. Okay. You know, all like right, they would right. weaponize the Black Death. It's like, hey, you know, how, what? How are we going to get them? Well, we're going to get them with the bubonic plague. Okay. All right. God, come on, man. Sort of like that laser that would come up out of the volcano and shoot the world cities, kind of thing, like in the movies. James Bond, are you referring yeah, to? Yeah, usually most of the guys did stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see where you're going with that. Okay. At least 40 Al-Qaeda fanatics died horribly after being struck down with the disease that devastated Europe in the Middle Ages. The killer bug, also known as the plague, swept through insurgents training camp, insurgents training at a forest camp in Algeria, North Africa. It came to light when security found, forces found a body by a roadside. roadside. The victim was a terrorist for AQLIM, the Al-Qaeda in the land of the Islamic Maghreb. Maghreb. The largest and most powerful Al-Qaeda group outside of the Middle East. 
It trains Muslim fighters to kill British and U.S. troops. Now Al-Qaeda fears, uh, chiefs fear the plague has been passed to other terror cells or Taliban fighters in Afghanistan. One security force said this is the deadliest weapon yet in the war against terror. Most of the terrorists do not have basic medical supplies needed to treat the disease. It spreads kick quickly and kills within hours. Now see, that's the thing. The Black Death traditionally took three or four days to kill you. It wasn't an hour. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't hours, which is uh, another reason why I think it's probably... You're saying this upgraded version. Well, he says this is the deadliest weapon yet in the war against terror. Uh, now that is... I suppose you could say that's not entirely conclusive because as we get to, uh, as the wheels fall off of absolute truth in our society, you know, words mean don't really mean what they mean. Except anymore. for future quake. Yes. Okay. Where the wheels have completely fallen off. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, but the point is, is that you know the mortality rate here is so much, so much quicker. Uh, it's kind of, it's intense. The Black Plague comes in various forms. You've got the bubonic, bubonic plague, which is spread by bites from infected, inf, infected rat fleas. Um, symptoms include boils in the groin, neck, and armpits. In the pneumonic plague... Airborne, Other than that, it's not that bad. Yeah, you know. Okay. Thing. Slow Tuesday. Airborne bacteria spread like flu in the pneumonic plague. Uh, it can be in the body for more than a week, highly contagious, but not revealing telltale symptoms. Uh, the Al-Qaeda ep- epidemic began in the cave hideouts of AQLIM in Tizi Ouzou province, uh, 150 kilometers east of the capital of Alger. The group led by wanted terror boss Abdelamalek Drudkal was forced to turn its shelters in the Yakuran forest into mass graves and flee. Wow. So in other words, we couldn't get them with our guys, but the plague could take care of them. Yes. How weird is that? And a plague with an oddly, with an incredibly high mortality rate. Right. You know, or more uh, mortality. Do you think God could have sent it? I don't know. Do you think God hates uh, Al-Qaeda? I don't know. I I would think he does, but gosh, I just, it doesn't seem like something he's going to jump into. Or I could see our military could have sent it, like you say. Well, that's, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, we've Mm. got this big new Brzezinski there who talks about, Killing people with engineered diseases in his book. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who's the main advisor for Obama. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, would you like another story? Heck yeah. You've got the, the disease ones for the day. Yeah. This one is a uh, new discovery supports belief that Ark the Covenant is in Yemen. Uh, five lines of ancient uh, script on a shard of pot- pottery could be the oldest example of Hebrew writing ever discovered, archaeologists in Israel says. Hmm. This is um, The shard was found by a teenage volunteer during a dig uh, 20 kilometers southwest of Jerusalem. Uh, it contains symbols believed to, that to be of the ancient tongue called Proto-Canaanite, or First Tongue. Experts at Hebrew University uh, said dating showed that it was written 3,000 years ago. Uh, roughly a thousand years earlier than the Dead Sea Scrolls. This era corresponds to the time of the first temple. Uh, wrote by figures like David and Solomon. I'm going to skip through this little long article. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this alphabet was being used by the Queen of Sheba, allegedly wed to Solomon in, in what is now Yemen. Uh, scripts in Yemen appear to be written in the same alphabet and translations using ancient Hebrew. They describe the burial of the Ark of Moses at a site near Mareb in the ancient kingdom of Sabah. 
uh, scientists caution that further studies needed to understand this. Um, so anyway, they use an, a language very much like uh, early Hebrew. The use of this language in early Hebrew history would explain why the same language is used in the ancient kingdom of Sabah or Sheba. Uh, so even the even the Quran has a legend about uh, Sheba going to talk to King Solomon and having a son, Menelik. Uh, so and of course I don't know if you people have watched things on TV or things that's talked about Menelik bringing the the ark back. To mm-hmm. Ethiopia or somewhere like this, you know. Well, it's very interesting that um, it's buried out there. I remember watching some lady out there, uh, out in an empty, I guess it was the empty quarter. She would be out there, like, furiously trying to dig this thing out, and then it would, you know, winds would blow and cover it up again, and there was all sorts of... But she thought the ark was out there, because Sheba had a, uh, a castle out there or something, or a palace. Hmm. <laughs> so, anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Um... Uh, I'm trying to. See, I'm just trying to skip down here for uh, uh, some things that what they observed uh, in the prose that what they just uncovered. Archaeologist says it describes a box of L, of which L was the oldest name for God, yeah. and spoke about his father. Uh, they later learned this is a reference to the Ark, Solomon, and Sheba's son Menelik. Uh, and when the happiness of the son was poisoned by the news that his father's passing on, the anger lifted when the son told him the location of the father's great box of L. And when the happiness of the son was poisoned by the action of the beautiful Lord's movement, the son was made happy to swear to protect the box of L and to be associated with the Lord's spirit. And his gloom lifted. The son constructed a chamber for the beautiful Lord's spirit and covered it up. He accompanied the chamber of the Lord underneath to pray and to gain understanding and to protect. Mm. So there's other things in there written about it. But uh, anyway, just something to keep in mind. You know, there's been much discussion about Ethiopia being a place. Mm-hmm. Well, this is saying that, that uh, Yemen was the place. Uh, so many texts refer to the mother, the queen of Sheba herself. Uh, to discover dilemma when she was instructed by her son to be buried under the sun, under the sand for an indefinite length of time to avoid the enemies who had sacked the temple in Israel mm-hmm. and the future evil nations until such time as the world was ready for peace and love. Texts describe how initially she had buried the burial, uh, buried chamber constructed in a way that it could be disassembled quickly to save her son. So um, evidently she hid her son in this chamber too. Mm. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Keep in mind, um, uh, it says here at the end uh, that the Hebrew University archaeologist says that the inscription was very important. This is the longest proto-Canaanite text ever found. Uh, Gary Vay and John McGovern, who spent years locating and translating proto-Canaanite text, disagree, citing lengthy scripts on the so-called Sheba Palace. Uh, this would be a classic thing for us to have uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. Yeah, on. I'd love to hear these I'd love bet to get, his, aware of that, get a spin so. on it, yeah. We're going to find this stuff pretty soon. And, you yeah. know, I was up in that neck of the woods there by the Temple Mount the other day. In Yemen? Not, no, by the Temple Mount. Oh. That's not in Yemen. I know. I was. Well, Are you Muslim the, or something? Well, the whole the whole story was about Yemen, and you said I was up in that area. I, I, well, talking about where the Ark is. And yeah. I said I was up in the Temple Mount, and then you said in Yemen. So... Well, do you, do you like Canaanites, let's do, hear do you like go walk around the Kaaba or uh, something when you uh <clears throat> you know it's 666 miles between the uh 
the, according uh, to David Flynn. According nautical miles, <laughs> nautical miles, yes. Nautical miles. Yeah. Well, thank you for that tidbit of information. Yes. If you all wonder what he's talking about, go back listen to uh, David Flynn's interview. David Flynn's interview at yeah. futurequake.com. If you want to know more about our uh, our our site or be able to email us, then yeah. uh, Merv is going to tell you right now. Yeah, speaking of proto Canaanites, proto Canaanite Merv is going to come in and tell you how you can contact us. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. we still got more than three or four seconds. Really? Anything you want to... Anything no. you want to tempt us with for future stories here? Really? Well, uh, Iceland... I'm, I'm off my game today, by the way, because of our technical problems yeah, early yeah, in the cool. interview. I'm cool. just, I'm I just wanted to say that Iceland, Iceland, Icelanders are becoming increasingly dissatisfied with the current situation going on in Iceland. Uh, there's begun a petition movement for a new republic of Iceland that is spreading around, and uh, carefully released figures are bringing shivers not only to those that feel for Iceland. The movement is begging Sweden and the IMF to uh, grant Icelanders any financial help until they uh, can install install their uh, credibility internationally, their banks, and to remove all of the uh, all of the higher up executives in office. So, uh, bottom line is they're talking about maybe having a rebellion in Iceland. Yes. And if you all could send us some money, we'd like to go over there and cover it for yeah. future quake, if if you can. Two tickets to Iceland are cool. But yes. until then, we need to leave. So last word. Done. We got to run, folks. Thanks for putting up with us. We'll be back with another great guest next week. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 Sweeping it like a fresh new breeze Let the old